Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 354 of Vigigame Apocalypse. I am your host, Michael Raparez, coming to you from the Raymond Covey Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. If you want it to be your memorial studio, go to patreon.com slash laser time and uh, support us at the $20 level. Yay, we finally have conditions for this. Who else is joining me here in the Raymond Covey Memorial Studio of the Airwaves? R.I.P. Raymond. Uh, <laughs> D- Dead Cells is still awesome. Chris Antista. <laughs> and uh, tied with Joe Biden for the same number of delegates from New Hampshire, Matthew Allen. <laughs> and joining us for the first time ever, special guest. Yeah, first time PC builder. That's uh, Larry Charles. Larry, thank you for joining us. Yeah, no worries. So you currently work, what, what's your company name again, Matt? Striking Distance Studios. You, you are a bona fide game developer. Yes, I, I am. Yes, I am. Yes. We've had so few of those on this show. <laughs> that's that's great. And is, you, there, is there a reason why? Or like, am I, you know, did I get myself into something I'm going to regret? We just don't know a lot of game developers. That's <laughs> <Okay>. all. <Yeah. laughs> we got into we, this we work uh, with filthy them, but they business don't like by uh, writing snarky articles about video games, mm-hmm. not designing any. Yeah, no yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, thank you for joining us. You used to have a, a podcast called Game Dev Unchained. Yeah, I was uh, half of the hosting team for that podcast, and then I went my own way. Oh, all right. Are you really building a PC for the first time? No, I, I just kind of tried to pick up on the trend of saying funny things <laughs> about myself. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. See? Already fitting in. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a second-time PC builder. That's the honest oh, truth. So oh, there nice, you go. nice. Yeah, see, um, see. And, and real quick, I just want to say we're kind of carrying on. So this month... Black History Month, and thank you to T.L. Foster for giving us the idea. We are continuing throughout the month to try to get uh, black guests on the show to have black points of view and voices from the games industry throughout the entire month of February. And you guys can tell by my voice that I'm black, or if you said black voice. They'll never know. They'll never know. (laughs) I'm I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, you could never tell by the voice as the director of Bruno. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one not a lot of people put that together but i know exactly oh, i know exactly because i have the name so i yeah anyway <laughs> all right it's, we're trying to do our part for black history month and we have to offset this week's wes anderson trailer <laughs> no worries yeah well look guys um i won't take up too much time i'm super happy to be here so thank you for inviting me Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for being on. We've got a fun show ahead today. When the show is out, it is Valentine's Day. Yeah. yeah. So um, if you haven't bought your SO gift, your <laughs> SOL, you better fucking hurry up. Oh, man. Amazon.com, baby. Two day shipping. <laughs> or maybe you don't have one, in, in which case, we're here for you. Sure. Yeah. Here's yeah. what I'm going to try and do at the last minute I'm going to try and make my own cupcake. All right. Oh. <laughs> just I think I just can one cupcake. cupcake. <laughs> just yeah. Take just. your favorite action figure and shove it in red icing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can do oh, this. Nice. You know what? At <laughs> least you're doing something though. So it's yeah yeah. Something. There you yeah. go. Mm-hmm. And if you if you don't have an SO, yeah, you're really gonna hate this episode. Mm. Yeah, because it's all about couples. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. about people who've already made it work on some level. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No SO, you're gonna have FOMO. <laughs> God oh. damn it. This is not the last acronym I'll use all night. But, uh, have you been watching BoJack or something? Jesus. <laughs> the BoJo? Sure, why not? <laughs> Hollywood. Holly- <laughs> it's Hollywood now, thank you. <laughs> For those of us who've seen the last episode. Um, getting off topic. But yeah, video game couples, let's go right after this. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? 
then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Maybe Anton Yelchin, and I would guess Kobe. There's probably footage of this happening, but uh, Irwin and Left Eye, Lisa Left Eye Lopez, definitely have videos, like video footage of them, their deaths. A well, video well, the camera. one that the video footage caused the death, we, we have to mention it, is Princess Die. Oh, I guess, yeah. Jesus Christ. 97, 36 years old. Mm-hmm. And that always blows my mind when I outlive people that seemed older to me. I mean, at this point, Chris, we've both outlived Jesus, who died at 33. Jeez. So you got that going for you. Died in a an auto accident but it was caused by paparazzi chasing her yeah yeah i i I only remember my personal connection was that is i remember i got back from the beach with this girl i had liked for like a year but didn't seem to like me as much finally seemed like she was giving and i was so elated i remember i walked in and her mother's like princess di is dead i'm like who oh oh well, yeah. these things happen, and I'm like, la di da. I do a little Archie kick to my feet and whistle out the door. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> I didn't. I, it didn't affect me at all. Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just five dollars on Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime. And we're back to talk about what video, video game, game couples. couples. Yes, couples in video games. Beginning with possibly the most iconic that we're going to front load for some reason. Number five. You know me when I make a promise. You keep it. I do know how to pick them. Lucky me. Well, who could this be? Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson. Yes. There it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you you are not far off the mark because I do have a clip of Master Chief telling his ex-wife about Cortana. You're dating your computer? No, she's not just a computer. She's her <laughs> own person. She doesn't just do whatever I say. I didn't say that. But it does make me very sad that you can't handle real emotions, Theodore. They are real emotions. And totally real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that movie's totally ripping off Halo series, which has been doing the, the man on computer love thing for a while. Yeah, she doesn't always do what he says. Sometimes she betrays him and, and mm-hmm. tries to advance mankind uh, yeah. to some higher level. And sometimes, yeah. most of the time, he's just doing what she says. Wait, I would be remiss, though. Chris will, will know the one I'm talking about. That's not the first movie to do that. There was the 80s vehicle where the computerized house yes. locks the guy inside. What's the oh name of that God. movie, Chris? Uh, Electric Dreams. Go look up <laughs> the best trailer in the universe. If it starts with a woman in a big hat saying, pow, wham, pang, nobody knows what computers do. You found the right trailer. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's really how it starts. <laughs> yeah, it starts yeah. with a wing computer reference. It's wonderful. Oh, I've always been a bigger fan of the mockbuster. I can't believe I fucked my house. <laughs> you know, it's such a good trailer, and it's so ahead of its time. Um, and it's never been it's never been available on DVD, and has the greatest soundtrack from ELO's Jeff Lynne. Please, Electric Dreams, everyone. One okay. of the best movies yeah. shot in San Francisco. And, and it's a, it basically is warning us of the dangers of uh, Alexa and other smart devices <laughs> in your home. Yes, his computer and him are in 1984 are both in love with his neighbor, mm. uh, and p- played by Virginia Madsen. 
it's, you know, it's it's utterly ridiculous. I'm sorry, guys, if I ruined the Scarlett Johansson and Joaquin. Like, I totally was just shooting off the cuff there, and you guys had something ready to go. So I already feel bad. <laughs> no, 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 it's <laughs> like, fine. That's yeah, fine. We do. We just, I really, I, I didn't connect it at all. I just, I've heard their names so much around the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. so I didn't yeah. bat an eye. Yeah. But Halo yeah. and Cortana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. his guys. name is not Master, Halo. Master Chief. His yeah, Halo. Yeah. Halo. And Cortana's romancing the actual fucking Halo planet. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's, this is a romance between uh, an eight foot tall uh, warrior cyborg, yeah, Spartan, yeah. and a small hologram uh, mm. representing one of the most powerful AIs that has ever been created. It's not by the size of the hologram, Michael. Humanity, <laughs> yada yada yada. But their their relationship kind of begins is uh, sort of almost casually flirtatious. Mm. Sleep well? No thanks to your driving. Yes. So you did miss me. And uh, kind of hits some interesting emotional highs later in the series. I am not leaving you here. John. She's touching him. I've waited so long to do that. It was my job to take care of you. We were supposed to take care of each other. And we did. I think in, in that one he's like in in some sort of uh, com- like holographic computer world that she's pulled him into. But yeah, she's like just touching his his breastplate, and it's like I yeah I have waited to do that for so long. We are oh. porn, man. It's 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 the future. Yeah. Hey, if you're lost in space for as long as Master Chief has had to go save our asses that many times, the least he can get is a little you know female interaction here and there so i yeah, appreciate I cortana for holding it's it true. down mm-hmm. nobody judged joker in mass effect <laughs> are you calling the chief an incel <laughs> no. i mean Look, technically hey, he it, is it, involuntarily celibate uh, <laughs> always on computer ai loves you they really have to love you because they see all the stuff a human woman would never see <laughs> i mean he he shits in that suit, right? We can, we can all agree uh, on that. Probably. He never leaves the suit. Maybe he no longer has to shit. Maybe he just has like an internal power plant that they put in. They yeah. engineered, they genetically engineered the lack of shitting. I like it. Jeez. Maybe he grinds it down and converts it to powder and then Andy Dufresne's it across Bloodforge. Oh, when, Bloodforge. <laughs> of his ankle. Maybe he, when he takes off his helmet, like there's just... Raw sewage sloshing around mm. at his neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just fills the suit. Right this where he plugs in the Cortana chip. Valentine's Day. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I really hope you. How's cut, everybody doing? Yeah, I hope you cuddled up with your significant other and then decided to listen to us together. <laughs> Why? Hey, romance. How does Master Chief do it? <laughs> but their relationship kind of goes awry uh, at some point in the series because Cortana. Mm. Well, like some girlfriends, some of my ex-girlfriends, mm-hmm. uh, All of she them. she goes crazy. <laughs> I, th- I think rampant is the word for it, actually. Um, yeah, I, I, I never I, really I played a clip. I was, no, <laughs> no. I, why would you assume I had a clip for something you set up? <laughs> well, I didn't know. Crazy Cortana is isn't that? Yeah. Is it four or five? Is she's pretty much somewhere? I think so, it's. I remember five. some she of that wrote. dialogue too. Yeah, she's yeah. like, "Oh, is that your pal, your chum?" And that 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 one line stuck out for me for like however many years it's been since I played the game. I keep hearing that whenever I think of Halo. Interesting nice. tidbit. Sorry if I derailed the conversation. No, no, please, with that. please. Silly reference. Derail away. Yeah. It just came to, like it's been five years since the last Halo game. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's been a while. Really? Man. 
Huh. Yeah, well, since Guardians, I don't know if there's been anything else in between. There has Probably not. Something. I mean, there's Master Chief Collection is is their live game that they've been supporting, and they fixed mm-hmm. that, and now that works well and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, other than that, there has not been an original. Excuse me, Halo experience. We got Infinite the, probably this thing. year. Do you, do you think they hampered things they can do with Cortana by naming their entire series <laughs> <laughs> oh feature after her? Uh, oh you can't God. really go so... nuts in the game anymore. Yeah, every time every time Master Chief says Cortana in a game now, it's like your Windows yeah. is going to dump yeah. out of Halo <laughs> and be like, "What do you want?" <laughs> the thing that annoyed me about that is they never full-on committed to it, so I never knew which commands Cortana would respond to versus... Mm-hmm. It, it felt just like, come on, guys. If you're going to do that, commit. Yeah. Well, yeah. you it, know... It makes using my Windows phone very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because it's named Cortana, that doesn't necessarily mean it is Cortana. Yeah. They'll pair you with another AI. Oh. Maybe even another Cortana model if Halsey lets them. That's not going to happen. It won't be me. You know that, right? Yeah, it's like, I, I think it's it's always kind of been left up to interpretation whether there's mm. any actual romantic spark between those two. But, like, come on. They are, they're clearly yeah. devoted to each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. When I hear those lines, like, out of context, it makes me realize sort of how creepy that whole thing is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, they really were, like, dating. It, the series about being an eight-foot robot man who massacres aliens is creepy? I don't believe it. Maybe she's seen his face, because none of us have. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe it looks like Cortana. Maybe she just likes him because she can imprint it herself onto him like the rest of us do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She probably has seen his face. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, probably. It show us at any time. Mm-hmm. Somebody, somebody ask Cortana. <laughs> I, I, I do want to see if they continue the whole John, whatever you want to call him, Master Chief and Cortana relationship in future games, though. Like, how, do, how does that progress? What, how do you, you know? Does it progress? I don't yeah. know. I, I really should go back and play Guardians. I don't remember what happened in that game. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway. Number four. Sureless Nice exploding against the night sky. Yes. It's very romantic. Can I buy you a root beer? Hmm. What what game involves root beer references a lot? <laughs> root beer tapper. Yes. <laughs> uh, this is this is uh, Guybrush Any Lane Three. That's Guybrush. That's Guybrush. Yeah. That well, that's in the the uh, Monkey Island remaster. They made him sound way too suave. That is not the, the guy brush I remember. Well, if, if you think he sounds too suave, then you, this might be closer to what you remember. I'm Governor Marley. Governor Elaine Marley. So, you were just going to borrow it, eh? Gee. Relax, Mr. Threepwood. I know why you're here. Believe me, you're not the first who's tried. Although I have to admit, not many get as far as you have. Jeepers, that... My lookout told me of your arrival. I've wanted to meet you ever since I heard your fascinating name. Yeah, all your dialogue choices for that are like, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm Guybrush Threepwood. Yeah. Renowned Mighty pirate. pirate. Mighty pirate. There yeah. yeah. And, and you know, you remember why he's named Guybrush? No. No. Because the, I think there was like an art file uh, when they were working on Monkey Island that was just Guy.brush. So they're like, oh, oh Guybrush. <laughs> There you go. I don't know what three put comes from, but 
There you go. But yeah, she, uh, you you first meet Elaine in in the first game, but it wasn't until uh, Curse of Monkey Island, the the all full motion animation one, that they actually tied the knot. Oh. Did you really mean what you said out there? That I was the only man you ever loved? Uh, well, yes, Guy Brush. I guess I did. Elaine, I'm a man of action, a swashbuckler, a rogue, a wanderer, a man who can hold his breath for ten minutes. I have no ties and no regrets. I sail with the wind and go where adventure takes me. But somehow, something always Guy Brush, me. stop babbling. Elaine, will you marry me? Oh, Guy Brush. And he proposes with a cursed ring, and she turns into a statue. Of course, and kicks off of another course. adventure. Yeah, she kind of sounded like she was going to say no. That sounded like one of those. Oh, <laughs> oh guy brush, people nice. watching. Oh. Wow, I didn't didn't expect this mm-hmm. at the Laker game in front of the entire crowd. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, why and, did you Why did you ask Jack Nicholson to be the ring bearer here? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll talk if you cut off your little two two inch ponytail that you have there in the back. <laughs> It's an 80s rat tail, thank you. That, yeah. that he ties with like a silk bow, <laughs> silk mm-hmm. ribbon. Mm-hmm. That was He's a very man for a long time. I met, <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, I'll just, I, I don't want to be rude, but I'll say a lot of white people in my life <laughs> <laughs> that were sporting oh, the no. ponytail rat tail. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It was like half the kids they went to school with back in the yeah, 80s. Yeah, exactly. It was gross. I, I bet there were people who thought the pre the Star Wars prequels would bring that style back, and they got so excited. I, I bet mm. George Lucas was one of them. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, I, I am looking at I, I didn't even know this existed. A guy, I think his last appearance is in Star Wars Force Unleashed Two, where he's a skin for Star Killer. Oh yeah, <laughs> shit, that's right. <laughs> so if you want to see Guybrush Threepwood dual wield lightsabers against Darth Vader in three D, it, it, there is. It, it's so it's weird, so strange because wow. the the it, it's like a it's like you're wearing a huge mascot suit. Like the, it just yeah. does not fit in the world at all. And it's uh, is the probably evidence of the most pre Disney thing I could ever possibly think of, like uh, a tie in that they could do with Star Wars. Mm, we have yeah. Guybrush and yeah. nothing else we yeah. can talk to with the parent company. Uh, we have Sam and Max. Well, we put them in uh, <laughs> Shadows of the Empire. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, any, so I I kind of missed the Monkey Island series when it was really? popular. Yeah, yeah because I, I was more of a Sierra game fan because those were coming out for Mac, which I had. Mm-hmm. Did anybody else have like really fond associations with this series? I mean, I remember them more from the Telltale remakes than the original games. Like, the original games were so long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the reason Guybrush and Elaine are so iconic is it's every, it's guys like us, like gaming nerds, video game nerds. It's, it's our dream to marry the beautiful woman. We're like the geeky, nerdy types and, and he... He marries the the hottest girl in the series, which is like, mm-hmm. yeah, total total video game fantasy. It's not yeah. realistic. Well, the, on, also man. the fantasy is that like he's like this enormous dork, and she's immediately vocally attracted to. Him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. it's like Woody Allen movies. Yeah, <laughs> like who wrote that? Hmm, I wonder. <laughs> I find you fascinating, guy whose only known talent is being able to hold his breath for ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, they, I think they went through a bunch of different voice actors with Elaine, and it ended up with uh, American-voiced Elaine in Escape from Monkey Island. I'm married to the most beautiful governmental official in the Caribbean. The entire Tri-Island area shudders at the sound of my name. And now my plunder bunny and I are returning to Melee Island. 
after the most incredible honeymoon in the history of Die Rush! Stop daydreaming and make yourself useful! Yeah, you start yeah. the game tied to a mast while pirates are attacking your ship. <laughs> I think they were trying to make her sound like Julia Louis Dreyfus in that one. You think? If not, that's a missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah maybe. Uh, I don't know. Monkey Island. It's it's fun and like that the, they kept going after the the happily ever after. It's like they're married and they continue to adventure together. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, most of these couples on this list like they they Ride become couples at the end of something, mm-hmm. right? And so they don't really carry that on through many games. And so, yeah, this is one where they kind of got together relatively early and they just continued in future future games to uh, to be married. Always, though, with troubles. Though the, this next one, their relationship never really had a chance to get off the ground. Number three. There are a million ways we should have died before today. And a million ways we can die before tomorrow. But we fight for every second we get to spend with each other. Whether it's two minutes or two days, we don't give that up. I don't want to give that up. That's that's very bittersweet, but uh, who knows what this is. It's a Naughty Dog game, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We only heard one side of that conversation, right? <laughs> Were we, hearing, we, we, we heard, heard two girls. Oh, okay, heard two okay. so this is you right. Heard two because for okay, anyway, one one second, one of them sounded like maybe a future intern on this list, but this this is Riley and Ellie from The Last of Us Left Behind. Yes, this is the the DLC that involves two things, both set in malls. One is it's during a chapter of the game where uh, Joel, the main character of The Last of Us. Uh, is incapacitated for a while, and Ellie kind of has to fend for herself. So you're playing as Ellie in this mall, trying to survive these scavengers that are coming after you. And it's interspersed with flashbacks to another time that Ellie was in a mall when she and her friend Riley uh, snuck out to go play in an abandoned one. Maybe I should join the Fireflies. Ellie, that was the first thing I asked my mom. She wants you safe at that stupid school. I'm not even supposed to come see you. Why does she care? She's worried I'll get you into trouble. Whatever. I can get into trouble just fine on my own. <laughs> oh, I know. So Marlene that she mentions is uh, she's the leader of the Fireflies, a resistance group, and Riley has been accepted into the Fireflies and about, is about to go off with them. And so this this whole episode kind of has this feeling of like, you know, a soldier just before heading off to war, uh, coming back to spend time with their best friend. and In a uh, mall, because women be shopping, am I right, fellas? <laughs> no? <laughs> All right, fine. Well, it's a dead mall, which is even more resonant now because there are a lot more of them in America. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, ours locally recently um, got condemned for batshit. <laughs> you mean guano? Yeah. Oh guano. Guano. Mm-hmm. Boy, uh, that's gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really <laughs> yeah. Remember that laser time episode we did, Chris, where um, we talked about things that are dying and we were talking about dying malls and we got some comments that were like, my local mall's still alive and well. I'd love to revisit that now, folks, because mm-hmm. uh, how many of those are still around? 
Charlie. Yeah, and if, if you are, then you had a town with probably one mall that's doing okay. Yeah. I mean, Macy's just said they're bankrupt, but whatever. Yeah. Your mall's fine. I'm sure your, ma- your mall will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Macy's has been bankrupt before anyway. Morally, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, le- left behind, a lot of it is just kind of like playing. Like, here, go try on this mask and pretend to scare each other. Now you've got these uh, super soakers that Riley found, and you can run around shooting at each other. So there's like some shooting gameplay. And uh, one of the most memorable sequences, I think, involves finding a broken arcade game. That you don't necessarily have to give up on and leave behind. Man, for a second I thought I was going to play it. You still can. How? All right, come here. Close your eyes. Do it. Okay. Use this to move. This is your punch, this is your kick, and you block with this. So, you ever seen that episode of Community where they play Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah. Yeah. Well, remember how you never actually saw a naked Chevy Chase riding a dragon in that, but it was all just them sitting around in a room talking mm-hmm. through it? It's similar in this because there's there's a theater of the mind thing going on because all you are looking at during this sequence is Ellie's closed eyes with her face in, in close-up and button prompts appear on screen. And, and you have to press them while Riley narrates the action. Finish <laughs> The screen turns dark. Angel Knives' blades begin to burn. She pierces his torso again and again until his heart flies right out of his chest. She winds back her leg and roundhouses his head clean off. A geyser of blood covers the entire playing field. Oh, nice. That is an ultra kill. I feel like it's too violent for a Naughty Dog game. Come on. What, they don't got raspberry pies in the future or in the apocalypse where they can't be running just, you know, ROMs of, of arcade games? No? I guess not. No? Jeez, whatever. Um, At least they didn't find a Snacks and Jackson machine. Snacks <laughs> <laughs> and Jackson! That's a good reference. It's a good pull. And a good callback. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so bad. Larry, if you don't know what Snacks and Jackson is, consider yourself fortunate. Yeah. yeah Continue I don't, not knowing. I don't. <laughs> it's an awful, awful arcade machine. I don't want to give you nightmares, so don't look it up. <laughs> you notice how I was being quiet through that little bit of the segment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just letting you guys go with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Snacks and Jackson. No, I think, like Michael said, what's cool about this DLC is it's it's – it's almost the lack of action and stuff they do. Mm-hmm. It's more, it's mostly just, it's showing, it's letting you experience their relationship kind yeah. of in the well, downtime, you know? It's, it's also, it's a date that you don't realize is a date until yeah. the end of it when Ellie kisses Riley and there's this moment where she just like steps back and apologizes and Riley says like, for what? Mm. And, and Riley's like, makes a big show of like pulling off her dog tags. Like, I'm not going to go to the fireflies. I'm going to stay with you. And then, events conspire yeah. and uh i mean if you've played last of us you you know what happens at the beginning of that game and uh where ellie is and and this is all set in events before the beginning of the game so mm-hmm. you know yeah there's riley's mm-hmm. riley's not in that game no nope, no nope, but hmm. she does want to fight till the end yeah which, which means it can be enjoyed separate i've never played it just because mm. i never finished last of us but i'm guessing yeah. you don't really need to it well it's one of those that um at first it was a dlc where you had to have the game and then eventually it's standalone you can yeah. just buy it and play it by itself hmm. 
Mm. I feel like that would be a little strange, though, if you're missing the context of what else is going on. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Larry, did you ever play this? So I've played Last of Us, but I have not played the uh, Intermediate DLC. Oh. So spoiler bad. alert for me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Ellie's gay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but yeah, this, this is a really bittersweet one. The others on this uh, this list are... You know, fairly happy couples for the most part. Things don't yeah. go so great for Ellie and Riley, but it was an important first step in, like, I think it was, like, the first triple-A, really positive okay, I'm lesbian glad you, relationship. I'm glad you said that, yeah, because I, I don't think before this, I, I think you're right. I think this was, like, the first big triple-A canonical. canonical relationship like mm-hmm. that, yeah. Because sure. not uh, counting like Shepard and Liara. What was the game that we always we, we talk? Is fear fear effect? Is fear it, effect? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. the one where they they strongly hint at it, and yeah. it's like, oh, we can't ever explicitly say it. it was Hana like, and Rain. It's yeah, like, oh, yeah. but they're never really. It's never really clear if they're a couple or if yeah. they're just like showing off in front of cameras to distract some guards. I mean, even to this day, there hasn't been a lot of that in AAA games. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's. I can think of a lot of indies, um, but yeah, not not so much on, on the the mainstream game side. So yeah, kudos to only, only if you make the characters do it, then they can do it. I guess yeah, Bioware, Bioware games. I guess mm-hmm. yeah, would be another one. Mash your action figures together, make them kiss. That's my impression of Bioware. <laughs> like John Ho with his Oscars, man. God, that was funny. <laughs> Sounds like a Bioware sex scene with those things, too. <laughs> it's like mashing action figures together. Well, here comes the full disclosure part. Number two. I missed you. <laughs> Never again should we spend months apart. We only have each other. Without him, Let us be together. Us two. Each to each. Oh, this made the list, I yeah, see. Yeah, well, you, you were so insistent I, I, about I, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is Bayek and Aya from Assassin's Creed Origins. Full yes. disclosure, Michael, works for Ubisoft. Yeah, full disclosure, Matt was the one who pushed on this. So. Hell yeah, I did push on this. Um, full disclosure, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so the reason I pushed on this is... Bayek and I go through some shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, Bayek, the, the main character of the game, an Egyptian Magi. They, they were sort of like the U.S. Marshals of ancient Egypt, just sort of like these individual agents. And, and he, I prefer to think of him more of like a Walker, Texas Ranger. Sure, yeah, yeah. But he's, he's, he's like in charge of this little oasis town called Siwa. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has this half-Greek wife, Aya, who they, they've known each other since kids, and she's in many ways more capable than he is, and you play as her at different junctures throughout the story, but whenever they're together, oh man, it's like sparks are flying. It is. They're, they're, yeah, that one reason I nominated them is just the the on-screen passion mm-hmm. between these two is amazing, um, and just, yeah, the fire between them, it's like they... Because they spend long stretches of time away from each other because they have agreed, like, you're going to go off and do your assassin thing. I'm going to go off. And I believe, aren't all of Aya's segments ship combat segments? It's uh, not all of them. A lot of them are. She she does get some of, like, the really big name assassinations late in the game. Mm-hmm. She kind of becomes Cleopatra's agent. Yes. And, and just sort of pulls Bayek into that orbit. And uh, she gets increasingly... Like even as he is consumed by this this quest for vengeance, like I'm going to destroy this order because one of them killed our son. Yes, she gets way more into it. I'm 
so I must stain my hands with another priest's blood. The order is everywhere. To protect Egypt, I would kill a thousand priests. You and I are pledged to violence. Now. And always. Yeah, that, that's another reason I, I nominated this is it's also so Michael, you reminded me, and probably because I haven't finished Origins yet. I'm a very I've gotten near the end, but it's also very realistic in that. So when tragedy like that strikes, like a, a child dying, you know, mm-hmm. it tends to drive couples apart eventually. And so, like you, you see this conflict. So they they have they they love seeing each other, but then like eventually he he's a cop at heart, right? Like the Medjai mm-hmm. are basically like cops, and so he feels guilt every time he has to kill mm-hmm. one of these secret order guys. He's like, like, I'm still a cop. Like I shouldn't be out here doing this. I should be, you know, I'm all for order, not chaos. But she is just like any mother would be. She is obsessed with like getting revenge and be like, no, I want to take down this entire order, and it drives a wedge between them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if we can spoil, like, I mean, slowly their relationship starts. They start to drift apart mm-hmm. because yep. of that, and and they just have different ideals and and kind of. But it's it's very amicable the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like they cease to love each other or anything like that. It's just totally different mindsets and sets of yeah, circumstances. And, and priorities. But, you yeah. know, some things with all married couples stay the same throughout history. Where should we begin? Check the gods' enclosure. I'll speak to the priestesses. Uh, of course. Give me the dung heap job. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, because the god that she's talking about is a sick bull that probably has diarrhea all over the place. I thought you when you played that clip, he was like not wanting to stop and ask for directions. Like, that would be uh, the fight. <laughs> Where should we begin? I don't know. Just go ask the man at the gas station. Uh, no, when, I don't want to ask the when man. When there's a division of labor, the husband <laughs> takes the shittier job so that the wife doesn't have to. Absolutely. No, but yeah, but I, I did like this because even though it, it is exaggerated, that's realistic writing of like, mm-hmm. yeah, a married couple would slowly grow apart when tragedy like this yeah. and, and, and their response to that tragedy would make a couple who, you know, at the beginning of the game is just perfectly happy with their family and, and slowly they would drift apart from each other. So mm-hmm. I thought it was a great depiction of a couple and and how they would respond to a situation as tragic as the one in Assassin's Creed Origins, which is a very good game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's worth noting. So this, this is a bit of a spoiler for Assassin's Creed, so if you don't want to hear it, skip ahead uh, maybe a minute or two. But Aya turns out to be much more historically important than Bayek does. I have founded a bureau in the middle of Rome, yet no one knows of our existence. Like Amun, we are the Hidden Ones. So she founds the Hidden Ones. And toward the end of the game and into the Hidden Ones DLC, it becomes clear that, like, Bayek has accepted this role of, like, you are the leader of this new order and I am your servant. Like, there there will always be this imbalance of power between us, and that's part of why we can't be together anymore. Mm. Because, yeah, th- that's so cool, because the marketing for this game, they tease, like, this is the origin of the Assassins. Mm-hmm. It's the name. Um, but they never. They always kind of were more, it was a swerve. They were, like, making you believe, oh, Bayek is going to be the first Assassin. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And so, actually, I guess it's Aya. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. He's, he's one of the first, but uh, yeah. he's not the one who ends up leading the order. He doesn't become the Grand Master like Ezio did. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and I'm not going to say anything more, but there is a statue of uh, one of these characters in Assassin's Creed 2. Maybe you can mm-hmm. find it. Oh. Mm-hmm. I do know that they uh, serve as the crew of my ship in Assassin's Creed Odyssey <laughs> because it's like one of the bonuses you can 
unlock is, is like your your lieutenants on your ship. I have mm-hmm. both. I have Bayek on there, and I think Aya as well. And, yeah, because they have good bonuses. Yeah. Well, that's um, not only is that historically inaccurate, but that <laughs> would lead into another big spoiler for Odyssey that I won't go into right now because it's irrelevant. Ah, I see. Well, I also have the the gangs from Assassin's Creed Syndicate, so uh, historical relevance is uh, mm. out the window at that good, point. Good, good, Victorian outfits. Yeah, and, Victorian yeah. guides in, in bowler hats <laughs> on my. Ancient Greek vessels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing but yeah. the best. Whatever works, man. <laughs> they still got your 60 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when 20 studios work on the same game. <laughs> it throws shit in there. <laughs> I mean, we made this. All right, just put it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we're rocketing through this, so let's go ahead and do... I'm going to go ahead and do the dishes. Stop, I'll do them. No, you on. did them last night. No, you cooked. I clean. It's fine. At least, at least, uh, let me let me try to earn it or, or something. Let me um, play you for it. You'll play me for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your little TV game thing. I bet I can beat your high score. You think that you can beat my high score on my TV game thing? Yeah, I think you're scared now. You don't even know what it's called. I don't need to know what it's <laughs> called. I've seen you play. It's right. jumping and running, and I have a natural talent oh. for that. Uh, Naughty Dog once again knows that the the way to uh, make a gamer connect yep. to a romance is to have them playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Man, the nostalgia from that clip right there. I had a moment. Yeah. Like, oh, good times. Yeah. So, so this is Nathan Drake and Elena Fisher from Uncharted. Mm-hmm. Uncharted 4. Uncharted well, 4 specifically. I, I guess that scene yeah. was from 4. Yeah. But, but, but this is a romance that has spanned... The, the whole series, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. and at times it, it was on the rocks. Like mm-hmm. they they spent some time apart, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. They're, like there was that moment in uh, two when Elena introduces herself to Chloe as like, "Hi, I'm last year's model." Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I was always secretly standing for Chloe. Love mm-hmm. me some Chloe. Yeah, she's pretty cool. But uh, but Elena, we were introduced to right in the the opening minutes of uncharted 1 mm-hmm. as a a scrappy journalist who's hired Nathan Drake to uh help find his ancestor's lost coffin. Mm-hmm. I am here off the coast of Panama where we just recovered what we believe to be the coffin of legendary explorer Sir Francis Drake who was buried at sea over 400 years ago. <laughs> Are you sure you want to be defiling your ancestors' remains like that? You make it sound so dirty. <laughs> That's okay. I know some things where it's fine. It's, the, it's mm-hmm. not related to Nathan mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> oh, so the coffin's empty. That nah. kicks off yeah. that first mystery. Oh, so he's like Geraldo Rivera. I get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like... So the first game, they, they seem to get back together, or they seem to get together. The second game, uh, she's nowhere to be found until she suddenly turns up because they just both happen to coincidentally be in the same war zone. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the third one, she's she's much closer to Drake and, and Sully throughout the adventure, and that is when Nathan finally proposes. And then when Uncharted 4 opens, we see them in boring domesticity, and Nathan is clearly itching for something more interesting yeah. and uh so long lost yeah. brothers shows up and offers him this this grandiose quest and so he does what any husband would do in this situation and lies to his wife about it for <laughs> weeks on end <laughs> yeah i i again like origins i love the fact that this game 
it's obviously done in a grandiose fashion, but they're addressing a very common marital issue, yeah. which is honesty and openness, especially yeah. about things. It's like, well, no, if you're really into this thing, don't hide it from me. Yeah. You know, it, like it's well, like that scene in, is it, uh, God, this is 40 where, no, no, it's, isn't it from, um, the one where Paul Rudd is, but he's secretly playing fantasy baseball. Uh, knocked up. In Knocked Up, where it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like, hey, you don't have to hide this from me or be ashamed. And it's like, it's like that. That is such a common marriage thing of like, no, just just be honest about about these things. But yeah, it, but then that again makes them sort of like puts their relationship on the rocks, and you don't know like, oh, mm-hmm. is Elena gonna leave Nathan? Like, she she comes awfully close, and she makes yeah. a good point that. Um, like and and that's the thing with like in, when this happens in movies, it's like oh, husband's keeping a secret from his stumbling block significant other, <laughs> wife, girlfriend, fiance, whatever, yeah. and like oh, she's not gonna like it because women are uptight, but that's not it at all. And no. she she makes a really good point in her rant here. I had to protect you. That is bullshit, Nate. You just didn't have the nerve to face me again. I, I knew you would react like this. How would you react? You lied to me for weeks. If you were killed, I I wouldn't have even known about it. And and that's the part that kind of hits home. That it's just like, oh yeah, like any of these hundreds of times that I died in this game, like that's yeah. no one would know. Yeah. yeah, his 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 little white lie is, is a little bit different than when you're like you want to stay at the bar an extra half hour with your buddies or something mm-hmm. like that. It's like, no, I'm, I'm out <laughs> treasure hunting in this exotic country with, with malaria. Well, uh, yeah. You the, might want to tell your wife where you're headed through the proxy yeah. of this relationship though. They're helping a lot of people come together on a, on common ground just through that moment right there. It was very poignant for me. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Hey Jenny, I'm sorry about all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing this video game and I finally understand what you've been talking about. You're like, well, let's play some crash Bandicoot yeah. together now. <laughs> so did you, did you let her on in on all the treasure hunting you'd been doing up to that point? I, I mean, I had to, she was wondering where I was getting all the cool shit that I bought. And just running out of lies, man. Just running out of lies. Uh, but since you since you mentioned Crash, uh, Matt, I do have a clip of them actually playing the game. Why is the boulder chasing me? Just run away from it. I did nothing to this boulder. Use your spin attack. Wait, jump. Jump. Stop yelling at me. I'm encouraging you. I'm coaching you. Keep going. Keep going. What is that thing? A fox? A bandicoot. It looks like a fox. It's like a fox in jeans. Okay, smash the boxes. Why is a fox smashing crates? Ow! Oh, that had to hurt. It did probably hurt. So why do you keep playing this? Because I'm really great at it. I don't know why people get into video games. <laughs> I also like that they turn the traditional trope on its head where yeah. the, the woman in the relationship is explaining video games to the man yeah. versus, yeah. He's too busy living video games. He doesn't have time to play them. Well, he solves all his problems by shooting people in the face. That's true. He is a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what is Nathan Drake's body count? Right, like that. Yeah, he murders. He's yeah. walking ludonarrative dissonance. Yeah. Like that's... <laughs> what? It's fun to murder people in cold blood. Yeah. Well, it's never cold blood. They're always shooting back. But I know sometimes still. you get preemptive strike. Right? Like you're like, oh, look at all these guys minding their yeah, own yeah. business. Especially in four. In four, they encourage you to sneak around and, and yeah. take out as many as you can before the firefighter arrives. Yeah. See this guy with a kid and, and a family back home? Yeah, shoot him in the back of the head. <laughs> 
before he sees you. Don't give him a fighting chance. Don't let him think about those things before he dies. Just he, boom. He won't even know he was killed. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Dark. You better go follow your brother who looks like Luke Perry now. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He does, right? It is. No, he does. He does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an obvious Probably call. Deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. And now that Luke Perry's gone, we'll never have the Nathan Fillion, Luke Perry, Uncharted movie. Jesus Christ, I know. Make mm-hmm. this happen, someone. Mm. Instead, we're getting Spider-Man as, as Nathan Drake. I mean, Tom that's Holland. not terrible. Yeah. He's like young Nathan Drake. Yeah, yeah. That's like River it's... Phoenix playing young Indiana Jones, man. It's not the same. Well, look, the, the movie will start at the orphanage, and then it'll end slightly later than the orphanage. That's just... <laughs> <laughs> And the movie will be really, really good, but then overstay its welcome by about four or yeah. five hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I really liked Uncharted. Oh, the other thing this this uh, in this relationship. Fuck, this is a big spoiler. Um, everyone here played four? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. skip yeah. ahead a minute or two if you don't want to hear a big spoiler. It shows them in their middle age later on because yeah. mm. you see their child, which is so cool. You get to see what they've been up to, and as they grew old together, you get like, to play as their child. Yeah, yeah. Well, pl- I mean, play in terms of walk around and look yeah, through a house yeah. and then the beach it's, house. It's like yeah. The Last of Us in reverse. Yeah. But I do love that it's like, oh, they did have a happily ever after, and then it's showing news clips of kind of their life together and all mm-hmm. that. And the company, the salvage company mm-hmm. they ran, and it's like, oh, see? That's awesome. I got to yeah. see I got to see their happily ever after. Yeah. I loved it. It's a it's a great send off for the series that I'm sure will never get another sequel. And I'm probably a lot closer in age to old Nathan Drake than I care to admit. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah. yeah. Damn. I'm still waiting for my SO to buy me a company just because she loves me. <laughs> right? <laughs> I wonder what that life is like. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, Larry. Here's your company. <laughs> Man, the rest of us got to step up our game. Yeah, That's like what the Trumps do. And then they run yeah. into the ground. Yeah. It's like, oh, it'll be fine. Here, here's yeah. another one. Then it's more shell companies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I bought you a company. Money laundering. And a company. And a company. And a company. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Yeah. That's been our top five couples from video games should have said up front these have to all be canonical so no we are not doing your your favorite bioware romance yes um, yes oh well. did, did we have our <laughs> number zero entry we oh we do have a number zero oh, entry yeah. thank you oh, for yeah. the reminder number zero. you son of a bitch you can't even tell the difference between patriotism and treason no wonder you never realized the truth what do you know about Emily? More than you ever will. Got so mad he fired off his wife at the end. <laughs> this is for all you single people whose only SO is your hand on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Bionic Commando! <laughs> rearmed. <laughs> Where? A uh, big spoiler alert for the end <laughs> yeah, of that game. For a game that nobody wants to play anymore. The, the lead character's wife is his bionic arm or the spirit of his wife or the consciousness yeah, of his wife is the AI like for that. his bion she's been his arm the entire game yeah I don't know whatever y'all have been married too long <laughs> I spent plenty of time when my only partner was my arm <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this is we, we felt we had to mention it you know because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. hey, look it technically yeah. counts I get it 
totally. Look, you're, you're just you're picturing Nathan Spencer jerking off with the robot arm. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. That's what we came here to accomplish. Or, his, or his arm saying, "Ow, I don't like that anymore." That's the thing. Or if he's into open relationships, he uses his other arm and makes his other arm watch. Oh. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a hub. Or he, he he shoots the claw out of a door and closes the door. Jesus, while it's extended man. and. <laughs> And then jerks off while the, the wife arm is in the other room, technically. Uh, you know, like, the, wife, the, the wife arm just doesn't do it as well as his own arm, you know? It's just one of those. It's, just, it's not the same. It's just not the same. I mean, it does feel like someone else's hand, but that's... I can imagine the arguments like, why couldn't you have been my left arm? Isn't it his left arm? Probably is. Like, come on, man. Let's not think too deeply on this. All right, I won't. But anyway, that's been our top five. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy Valentine's Uh, Day, guys. And on that note, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some new releases and some news and some other stuff. So stay tuned. Get scratching. This week on Laser Time, the Internet's seventh leading pop culture podcast, the gang is tackling a brand new topic. We're in the twenties now. We have we have games from the twenties on the NES. Um Popeye. That is Popeye. Popeye, uh, which we discussed on an earlier episode. Like I wouldn't call Nintendo's mascot, but they like wanted be. before Mario existed, like no character was more associated with Nintendo than Popeye if you were living in Japan. It's a, a 1960s ramen deal. It's, it's the first Nintendo licensing deal. It's the first big game. It's the first. It's a big game and watch. It's puzzles. Like Nintendo made a ton of Popeye shit. And if Popeye, <laughs> never get tired of saying this, if Popeye's licensors hadn't been pricks. We might not have had Donkey Kong in Mario. <laughs> and that would be like, uh, that's 56 years of difference. So that would be like right now on the Nintendo Switch, uh, Sword in the Stone game came out. And on Xbox One, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. <laughs> which I say, I say, Gotta again, be a VR game. I wrote that, I wrote that down. Like, why would that be bad? Yeah. Why would a Birds game be a bad? A VR Birds game would be awesome. I would love to be trapped in the phone booth while I'm trapped. <laughs> like, with just birds smashing in. That's too big. Ugh. That's actually from The Simpsons, and I haven't seen The Birds, and I haven't read <laughs> <laughs> That's Laser Time. New every Monday on LaserTimePodcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And welcome back to our final segment where we will not drag our feet as we try to hurriedly look up the list of Yakuza 5. Is uh, out finally as part of the Yakuza collection, remastered collection? Yeah. I am so behind. I think the way it works is there's just, you can buy it by itself digitally, Mm -hmm. and then it's part of that, uh, the remaster is a physical 
for the, so you it's, to, well, it's also like the remaster. You could buy it digitally, which I did, and then it would give you the Yakuza games as they released. So it, okay. it, it when it launched months ago, it only had Yakuza three, but you were also buying four and five down the road. Right. And this week, that that collection is finally complete. It's such a weird collection, though, because 6 was this generation, and so 6 isn't included, and you kind of feel like they should have just thrown in 6 at that point as well, just yeah. to have a comprehensive collection. But 6 is a PS4 game. That's so. what I'm saying, yeah. It's this, yeah. It's this gen. It does, doesn't need a remaster, but it is weird when you have those, like, middle-of-the-series collections of, like, well, we got, like, three or four well, games. Well, what's, what's almost disappointing about it, like, I'm, I'm really glad that they're playable on PS4. Yeah. Um, but... You know, you had one and two, which got the Kiwami remakes that kind of overhauled everything. And then th- three, four, and five, it's like, it's just the original games up res. We didn't tinker with the gameplay, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, play through these to get the story. I think five also, like, that had a really low key release on PS3 when it first came out. Like, I think PS4 was already out. And now it's just like, here's this. This game finally came out after people have been pining oh, after it know, for years. Mm. We were talking about Mario releases in the '80s, and the Yakuza games are pretty much that. Mm. Like, <laughs> like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I hear they're already on Yakuza Five in Japan. Oh, I mean, that happened this year. They, I want to say that Like a Dragon is the new one that mm-hmm. came out. That's already out in Japan. So. Yakuza Six, Like a Dragon, or not Yakuza Seven, Like a Dragon. It's yeah. what the title is going to be over here, which is cool because Like a Dragon is the name of the series in Japan. Oh, that's cool. So, like, Ryugagotoku. I th- never thought I'd like the series as much as I do, and I can't mm. think of a more successful, like, remaster, re-release story where, like, I, I think this game has more fan. Th- these games have more fans than they ever have without a new one. Yeah, well, I, th- I think Yakuza 0 was kind of transformative, that it, like, it, th- the series was always a little bit difficult to get into. They, yeah. they kind of start slow. But Zero was just like, okay, here, it's it's just a really over-the-top, crazy brawler from the start. And yeah. well, uh, it also takes you back to the beginning. So you, the other ones, you always felt like you were coming in on them. It'd be like starting on watching The Godfather 3 without mm-hmm. seeing the other two, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and whereas they, they keep pulling me back in, pulling you back <laughs> into what, Al? Whereas Zero has great references. It's my preferred order. C3 first, and then you're really going to get curious. <laughs> uh, is this going to be one of those Star Wars situations where we all have our preferred order? Yeah. Well, no, movies? it makes sense because you watch three first, they only get better from there. <laughs> if you work backwards. True, true. Yeah. That's the Chris Antista way, where mm-hmm. you come in on right. the worst version of any franchise. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You want to start out with Attack of the Clones. And yeah. Then you want to go to college for yeah, seven then, years. Then you'll appreciate Star Wars. <laughs> then you can start watching Star Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Yakuza, they're all, they're all pretty good. It's weird that you say, though, like, yeah, 5 was pretty low-key. And it must have been... Because I feel like 6 was bigger like where people were talking about the six release more mm-hmm. but i guess that must have been zero that really kicked that yeah off. zero really did I, th- I feel like six even got overshadowed by kiwami 2 and i mm-hmm. saw people saying like no kiwami 2 is the better game if you're only going to play one of these play play that okay yeah i just have zero and kiwami one i'm still trying to to get through those mm. so yeah i gotta get to, I still have some to look forward to yeah, yeah, I, yeah i did play six when that came out though. well you can also look forward to dreams which uh isn't officially Ooh. out as of this recording but will be by the end of the week and has been in open beta i yeah. guess for a while now yeah. Yeah. yeah you can pay money and buy that game for the past almost year yeah i've had it for a while dreams yeah. is such a dope video game editor that they call a game oh, <laughs> so, so tell me more i'm i'm definitely Desperate to know more about this. 
Uh, so I, I don't want to call it an editor when people think of Unreal or Unity, but think of it like this. You can use your PS4 controller or your Move controllers to just start crafting a world based on the tool set that they have, but the tool set is pretty expansive, right? So if you want to do mm-hmm. art, if you want to do just experiences, if you want to do gameplay and like add logic and animations and sounds, it literally turns your PS4 into a whole video game development studio. And the quality of the product really depends on how much time you spend learning how to do everything and how imaginative you are. Because I've seen some top-notch, like, holy shit. And then I've also seen, oh, you're just getting started. Like, okay, that's cool. But yeah. awesome. Oh, great. Luigi twerking. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the first thing that I saw in Dreams was somebody used it to recreate PT and, like, broke NDA mm. to post video of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty powerful, man. And especially for it's your PS4 that's running everything. It seems more freeform than because it's the same people as Little Big Planet. Little Big Planet. Yeah, but that that but, felt like here's some pre-crafted assets and now arrange them in certain ways. But this feels like you can customize. But but this feels more like you can customize anything, right? Mm-hmm. So so how how do you create? new assets like like to have like shapes and things in your game is it can can you do it from scratch or is there yeah. like a library you pull from yeah. where people upload there's, this there's both actually there's like a rudimentary editor where it, imagine if you had a real shitty version of zbrush and i mean shitty but <laughs> it gets the job done if you know what you're trying to make right like you can sculpt a little bit you can start copying and pasting things and then by the time you're done kit bashing you're like yeah there you go solid snake because someone has actually replicated the <laughs> PS1 version wow. of uh, yeah Metal Gear Solid in Dreams, Damn. or one of the levels, one of the levels. But Damn. it's super powerful if you have the intuition. So as as someone who's worked as a developer and actually mm. has access to the the real professional creation suites, how would you compare the the two just in terms of Shit. ease of use and versatility? Well, it's it's unfair for me because I have a lot of experience in Unreal, so I just prefer Unreal because my efficiency is the highest, right? Like, I can say, I want to make this, I can go make it in less time. I find that I have fun exploring and figuring out new ways to do things with Dreams, knowing that there's limitations, right? So, like, I can't just go to ZBrush, make this dope thing, and then import it into Unreal, and then, like, haha, I can't replicate that process in Dreams. But I can say, okay, this tool will allow me to create great art if I have the time, attention, and like some sort of process in mind for how I want to turn these blobs into, when you zoom out enough, it looks like this awesome-ass character. Mm. Uh, so you're not limited in dreams. You just have to be very creative in regards to what you're trying to achieve. And I don't want this to sound like a commercial, but I'm just <laughs> hype on the game because I'm a creator. And I love, I love what I'm seeing in dreams. It's like there's no holds barred. People are just making whatever the hell they want. And it's hit or miss. It's like Newgrounds in 3D. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Like some great <laughs> stuff and some is just like, Jesus, another like shitty porn game? Come on, man. Is there so, – so that's the thing is I always used to say about like Little Big Planet. For most of us who can't create like that – like at least Little Big Planet had like a campaign and, and mm-hmm. you know, it, but like you said, the community stuff was hit or miss. Is there any sort of campaign to this game where you're playing like something that the developers crafted or is it all just UGC? It's technically the campaign is kind of like, hey, we're going to show you how to do stuff in dreams. And you have little bits of like gameplay that like makes you want to complete what they're showing you. Uh-huh. And then by the end of that, you kind of have the basic hang of a couple of things. But there's lots of development community tutorials and stuff that actually help you learn more. And then just going through the UGC uh, is actually kind of fun. You can just load in real quick. Like, oh, let me see what you made. And uh, there's been some surprising hits. And that's all. It's, it's really fun. So is it like, you know, Mario Maker 
sometimes people's levels are just so amazing that it's fun if you never create anything and you just play it. Like, is yeah. it like that where there's some stuff yes. that's just straight up like, okay, cool. You yeah, because... You can totally be an observer in dreams and just go through other people's stuff. And there's tons of stuff. It's worth it even to just see like, wow, this thing has power and has a lot of potential to just entertain me because people are making all this content. And it's different, right? Like Mario Maker, you're getting Mario flavor and it's just difficult or stupid, right? And that's the <laughs> threshold. Or an uh, auto song. Yeah, in dreams, it's like, hey, I made a racing game, or I made an RPG, or I made a talk to my grandmother or grandfather while he's fishing game, or I remade like this lake from my childhood, and like I started adding in all these events that I remember. It can get super personal, but it's just, it's really expansive, and it's allowing people to just make whatever the hell they can think of, and it's, I don't know who gave them the money to make this, because I would have said no, right. like from the start, but I'm glad <laughs> it wasn't me, because I'm so happy with the result. Well, n not only the, the, the getting the money, but like this was one of the very first games ever shown for the PS4. Like yeah. when they unveiled the PS4, they showed a Dreams demo, and it's only now just coming out at the tail end of the console's life. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Yeah, they've been at so many shows too, and knowing how much it costs just to like be in a booth at a PAX or, or an E3 mm -hmm. and stuff, it's like. They have, even though maybe they haven't been like actively marketing it, you know, with TV and stuff like that, it's like they have spent so much money making and marketing this game just because of the amount of years, you know, it's mm -hmm. crazy. Yep. But I guess that's that little big planet money, man. Like, I hope they port the PS5. I'm because sure they will at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so early in its life cycle, right? Mm -hmm. That, like, everything that this thing can do, man, I would, even if art fidelity doesn't change whatsoever, but we just get more memory and, and you know, faster mm -hmm. access to the things that we make. I would love to see what Dreams content looks like 10 years from now. Oh, my God. Now, what did Dreams you... may come. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's it for me. I'm out of here, guys. Thank you for your time. I can't take it anymore. Did you fuck with Project Spark at all on Xbox, Larry? No, I didn't I didn't use Spark. I would, I'd be curious to see how they compare, because that, that was short-lived, but it was kind of the same thing as Dreams, yeah. where it was like a creation suite. Although that one had like weird microtransaction stuff of like you... I feel like you had to like buy credits to buy certain things to make the levels. I don't know. It was weird. Nope. But, uh, my, nope. my only memory of that was Dave Rudden trying it out at an event. And uh, they showed him like, look how easy it is to animate a character. Like, okay, now just design this guy. Okay, now uh, we're going to turn on the connect and do a little dance in front of it. And <laughs> did a little dance. And then they're like, let's map that onto the guy in the game. And, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> That's totally how you make games. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sit there and tighten up the graphics on level three. We all have connects at our desks at the developer, and of we all just dance in front of them all. Uh -huh. We just tell it what game we want, and it, it makes it. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it works. Uh, <laughs> the beautiful thing about this for me is, and this is just, I'll take ten seconds. Do it. You know, multiply that by six to explain this story. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I was a kid, like I just wanted a game editor. I had no idea mm -hmm. how to make games. I had nothing but pen, paper, and dice. Right, like I would have killed for something like this. I think Click and Play was the closest I got to a game editor before Unreal ships with Unreal Tournament, and then I just went balls to the wall. But like, I can't imagine like being like a 11 year old right now with a PS4 and a copy of Dreams. Like, man, yeah. that kid when he hits 30 or she hits 40 or they hit 40, man, what kind of content they'll be able to create if they have that much of a head start is that's the part that I'm excited. That about. same kid has been playing Minecraft for several years. Oh, now exactly. Well, right? There you so, go. Exactly. Yeah, just uh, and several do dozen hentai titles made in RPG Maker too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh man. 
Those were the dark years, Chris. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't that where Undertale's roots come from? From hentai? From, from, from RPG Maker. RPG Maker. I think it's in Game Maker. But yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, that's the one. RPG Maker has a very distinct flavor that is kind of like, meh, okay. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, next up here we had Darksiders Genesis, yes. the console version. I think it came at the end of the year mm-hmm. last year, and we didn't really have a ton of time. But I know you really liked what you played. I, I did. I mean, it it is a top down kind of. I, I hesitate to call it a twin stick shooter. That is kind of how it controls. But it is, uh, despite the camera perspective, it feels like a full fledged Darksiders game. Mm-hmm. You are playing as both uh, War and Strife. They both have distinct gameplay styles. You can switch between them at any time. And there's a lot of like, okay, solve a puzzle and then uh, go kill a bunch of demons and solve another puzzle and try to explore this great big map. And uh, it's it's pretty cool if you enjoy Darksiders, if you enjoy kind of just the sardonic flair that some of those games have, uh, it's, it's definitely worth diving into. And if you enjoy Darksiders... You should check out our Patreon-exclusive 302010 Video Games Edition for the mm-hmm. month of January, where we talk all about the original Darksiders, which is 10 years old last month. You blew my mind with that. Like, it only takes 10 to 15 hours to play? Why didn't I play this? Mm-hmm. I, I heard nothing but great things about it, but thought it was going to be like some AAA slog through 70 hours of a Zelda wannabe. Nope. No, no. It's very, very streamlined. Very fun game. Mm. And yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd heard with Genesis, like, I don't even know how that works still, where they're like, no, it's... Okay, picture like an action RPG top down. Now add Darksiders combat, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I am intrigued. Yeah, well, you can you can shoot as Strife because he has guns, or you can uh, just play as War and slash the shit out of everything. And some enemies are weak to what War does, and some are weak to what Strife does. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. Oh, I know and, the platform. and you have horses too. You can summon a horse and ride around on it. I know the platform this has been on. That I'm sure this is where you played it, where everyone millions have played it. Google Stadia. Ah, this has been a Stadia title for isn't, a isn't it more expensive on Stadia than on Steam? It had been for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it, no, it wasn't It wasn't like a permanent thing. It's just the other... And this happens all the time, but people made a big deal of it. It was on sale on the other platforms, and Stadia hadn't matched the sale price yet. So, mm. I mean, that, that shit happens. Mm. I would guess a lot. Uh, we also had... I wanted to put down Street Fighter V Championship Edition, but apparently it's just Champion Edition this time out, which is kind of... I'm guessing this will be the last version of Street Fighter V they sell, but this is kind of rounds up all the characters they've released so far. <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh, <laughs> never, never say never when it comes to Street Fighter release. Yeah. That's true. They still have to throw a hyper champion edition. Yeah, you just, yeah, just add another adjective or whatever. <laughs> I mean, they, they, Turbo. Threw, they threw the they threw the term ultra into the mix last year or last cycle, so yes, you never know. That's right. That's right. I get you it confused because I feel like didn't they just do like an arcade edition or something? Like they did, but they were just it was just sort of like fancy, like well known names for saying this is the game of the year edition. Mm-hmm. Okay. Essentially, for for the seasons they've been doing because it, it works in seasons. Please do not have me represent Street Fighter any. They have I they have added really. I'll so be many told characters. how bad I was at this. <laughs> it's oh, kind of hard uh, to keep. Up. All these fighting games do that. Like Dragon Ball Fighters did it has like another season of characters they're mm-hmm. selling, and I'm like Jesus. Like how many? Well, a how much money can you spend on one fighting game? And apparently it's a lot. Mm-hmm. But that's why that game's always like fifteen dollars like mm-hmm. on sale, and I'm like, well. At this point, you're only getting like a fourth of the game because you got to buy all the fighter packs, and those aren't on sale. Well, I never really saw another option for fighting games like that because while they're <clears throat> the casual audience knows Street Fighter, the people who 
play it tend to play it for years and it's up, like millions of dollars of upkeep Capcom's got to do so I, I sort of get like it's the only time where like microtransactions like that make sense like if we're going to keep supporting this you got to do the same <laughs> yeah well you could go the DOA model and just go costumes mm-hmm. they, they did have, There's like, they have... I got a thing saying like over 200 costumes like why oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> Well, some of the costume prices for Dead or Alive are, like, mm. outrageous. They're like, oh, you want this bikini version? Mm-hmm. Trust you us. Know, tr- trust me, I don't want any costume. <laughs> yeah. Can I have an option to remove the costumes, please? Yes, I want a specific sound for when my, my dick hits, <laughs> hits, the, hits my gut as I jump around. I, I'd like to buy the unlockable to make her kick higher, because uh-huh. she kicks yeah, high. Yeah. <laughs> Just, she kicks so high that her foot clips through her head. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I've played actual fighting games like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You weren't exaggerating. She kicked high in that commercial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last up, something that I played a bit of today, and a game I played a lot of, and I know a game, Chris, you played a lot of, the uh, Bad Sea DLC for Dead Souls is available mm-hmm. for $5. And what I love about it, it, it adds not a ton of content. It adds a new boss, Mama Tick, and two new biomes, areas, whatever you want to call them. But I love when you go in the game and you read the description of the DLC. So the last one was free. And in this one, they, they say, okay, this contains a new boss and two new areas. But uh, buy this if you want to keep supporting development of this game. So they're kind of like telling you like, yeah, you're you're not really paying us just for what's in here. You're more paying us to keep going as a developer to bring you more cool shit. And, and it's like, I'm okay with that contract. Yeah, I'll sign, I'll sign that contract for sure. Yeah, they're, they're a small team of like less than 10 people. And I think they kind of split themselves like, yeah, we're going to dedicate an entire half of this team to making Dead Cell stuff all year round. And it's a really, really good game. It just, it's it's the first time I've really fallen in love with a roguelike, but I do feel like there wasn't enough content initially that most roguelikes have, to, like Spelunky, to keep you replaying them every day for two years. And this is sort of a glimpse of what that could be like. Yeah, and, and I will say as someone who I probably had not picked up Dead Cells in about a year... Um, Me too. It's one of those. I hadn't even played the free DLC. That's the thing, and and so I don't know what was part of the free DLC versus the paid DLC, but it's like they have added so much stuff to this game in that year. Like you go back in the hub, like before the actual levels themselves, there's like new characters that can do more stuff for you. There's a guy who is like a, speaking of costumes, there's like a costume guy now where you can go and like change mm-hmm. the color scheme, of your outfit and stuff. So they have they've definitely. I'm, I'm guessing that was probably part of the free DLC, but they've definitely supported the game and added a bunch of cool free stuff. And it's like just kick them down the five dollars, man, because it's awesome. I did fight. It's one of those things. DLC is weird and roguelike, right? Because there's no guarantee you're going to see the stuff right away. Mm-hmm. But I did end up fighting that new boss, Mama Tick, and it's a fun, it's a fun little fight. Like she takes a ton of damage, um, and yeah, I just well, I had a great you want time. The, you want the the weapon she gives you? Yeah, the weapon, which is it's like one of her arms, basically. It's like a side. Well, you can get two of them and dual wield them. Yeah, and and they the damage stacks with those two. Where one of them, mm-hmm. it's like. After, if you connect with the other arm, it does like double damage or something like that. So it, it does add some cool gameplay scenarios there. Um, but again, in a game where drops are randomized, I don't know how valid that would be as a strategy, like hoping you're going to get both of those arms as weapons. I mean, they're not randomized. Those are guaranteed to occur during boss battles. I want to say maybe... I don't, I don't know how you get the right one yet, but... <laughs> I, I never even looked up anything for the original Dead Cells. I just loved it so much. Yeah. And the only reason I stopped playing it was just like, well, it was just repetitive 
I'm really good, and all I needed was a couple of new... Oh, these new enemies are obnoxious. Oh, that's the way they used to be when I didn't know how to cheese these fuckers out and kill them instantly in four seconds. And it was great to... I loaded it up, I think, at like 3 o'clock today, and I played kind of up until I came on this show. And yeah. I I played through it. I didn't... I didn't realize how close I was to the end. I played through it twice. I I I love this game, and it's only five bucks. Yeah, and uh, yeah, if, if you're like me, I played. It, I think they, they said you played this game like three hundred times, <laughs> and I had not. There was still stuff from the original game I had yet to unlock. Same, same, and I think I saw the new mm-hmm. biome. Like, it, I don't know if you played this one, Chris, but now there's one biome that has these like they're like little kids with blow darts. Uh, yep. And I think I got the blowgun. Yeah, I think that's one of the, and they and they they drop the recipe for the blowgun. So there's stuff like yeah, you can actually get new weapons. I got a weapon that's it looks like a ukulele where if you combo <laughs> it, it like hits super hard. So there's a ton of cool shit they keep adding to the game. And I wanted to put it here because Dead Cells should be discussed a lot more because it's awesome. Yeah, it rules. Yep. Uh, a couple more pieces of DLC came out this week. Of oh, and it's it's free on Game Pass. Huh, so. Nice. Oh shit! There you go. Uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses got a yes, DLC. yes. I'm waiting. Side story, Cindered Shadows. Say that three times fast. I am waiting to see what the reviews are for this DLC because it's a bit expensive, and I was also waiting. They weren't clear beforehand. There's so there's a twenty five dollar expansion pass which you could have bought at release of that game, and they've already thrown a few of the things out there that it includes, like some more costumes and, and some characters you can put in your your house and stuff, but. This one adds kind of a side campaign where it's like this it's like a secret house that lives under the school, I think is how Ooh. it works. I'm really curious how it integrates into the campaign. I don't think you roll a new campaign like and choose them as a new house. I think it's something that just it it weaves into your your but basically I went through all my playthroughs and saved one of the house playthroughs for this DLC so I can wait to see how it integrates with the full campaign so yeah I'm English but the other thing I'm curious is like are they going to sell just that DLC because I don't want the costumes and the other stuff in the expansion pass like if they sell just the DLC by itself I'll probably just buy that even if it only saves me like five or ten bucks like I'd rather do that than pay the it's kind of pricey like 25 for one piece of story DLC feels a bit high yeah but uh, yeah, man, I love that Fire Emblem game, and I have played played through two of the three houses, and now have to do. I want to say it's Golden Deer is the last house mm. that I have to do, and so that's 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 one I hear everyone on Twitter loves that fucking campaign. So I'm super excited to play it with the DLC edition. Nice. Okay. All right. Well, I suppose it's of course time to move on to. How have we been going for like 350 plus episodes with that sound? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they let you get away with it? Yeah. Jesus They need to take back Ann's check mark on Twitter for being yeah. part of that sound yeah, effect. Yeah, yeah. All right. Jeff Keeley. You guys know Jeff Keeley? Hosts the Game Awards. Yeah. Does yeah. a lot of cool shit. Okay, used to host E3 Coliseum at E3. Mm-hmm. Well, I say used to because uh, he announced earlier this week that he's – Skipping E3, or at least in an official capacity in terms of working the show, um, which immediately people latched onto and said, E3 is dying! It's dead! Harkins, this harkens the end! He's the harbinger of doom, Jeff Keighley! Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so 
he made a statement on this saying, uh, based on what's been communicated to me about the show, I just don't feel comfortable participating. Uh-oh. Uh, it's He told the Washington Post, it's no secret that E3 needs to evolve, and I have lots of ideas around that, but I've decided to take a wait-and-see approach. I'm looking forward to learning more about the ESA's vision for the show beyond what was in the blog post last week. Also, how crazy is it that Jeff Keighley is not going to E3 is a Washington Post-worthy story. It's Well, <laughs> what world do we live in? I think I think his efforts with the Game Awards are paying off, and he is viewed as an ambassador of this industry at this mm-hmm. point. But um, the ESA did have a response. They said Jeff has been and continues to be a strong industry advocate and champion. Um, he played a critical role in developing E3 Coliseum. When that's that thing, for those of you uh, who don't remember, where it's – kind of you go and there's developers there and they, they kind of host panels where people and now that the show's open to the public people can go and like interact with with industry luminaries and leaders um we appreciate his contributions and hope to have future collaborations in 2020 and corporate speak alert here we go we look forward to presenting a reimagined e3 that will connect and delight fans worldwide mm. we're working to make e3 2020 a more interactive and immersive experience with the show floor that will amplify our exhibitors their innovations and announcements says stanley pierre louis president and ceo of the esa mm-hmm. plus you guys haven't even seen the sunday bar we're at it <laughs> <laughs> We're bringing back, we're going to have an innovation this year. We're calling them Booth Babes. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I wonder. It's like, what would make him feel uncomfortable about wanting to be part of, like, are they going to invite ICE and give them a booth? Like, what the <laughs> fuck's going on? Uh, hey, CD Project Red. Yeah, you guys from Poland. Get over here. We want to talk to you. <laughs> and, and not, not because I, like, I do not mean to, like, uh, cast aspersions at the Dorito Pope even though <laughs> like, like, but, but like he does have a competing thing mm. now like yeah he, right? he also did confirm that he is still he's going to be doing his thing at Gamescom in a few months he has multiple competing ventures and I just I like if you're going to phrase something like that like come out and say like what made you uncomfortable not just that like um I didn't want my credibility on the line. Just say, I think, I don't know. I don't know how to read anything like that. Dude, so my read on this, I don't like know him on a real personal way. So I have no insight here. This is just me speculating, pure speculation. It's it's probably just a money thing. You know, to me, it sounded like this statement just came around across like, they couldn't come to terms on a deal for his involvement this year, and that's probably why he's he's passing on it, you know. But it, the press kind of blew it up to be like, "Oh, see, another signal that uh, E3 isn't what it used to be." And I'm like, "No, nah, he's, he's just a personality that they probably couldn't figure out, you know, the payment terms on and yeah. what they'd pay him to do this thing again." That's my guess. I, I wouldn't read too much into it, but uh, yeah. yeah, where Keeley goes, the industry goes. God damn it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, you know what? He might not be at the show. I know what he'll be doing. He's been playing that new Division 2 expansion, yeah. baby. Oh, there we go. It's got a donkey nice compet. segue. <laughs> Warlords of New York is yes, the new expansion yes, for Division 2. finally it can be told. Yeah, where you will return to the setting of the first game. Yeah. There is a, a free expansion that is out for year one pass holders starting uh, today as we're recording this. And will be out for everyone on February 19th. That it lets you go to Coney Island, and there are two missions in Coney oh. Island, Ooh. and it narratively sets up Warlords of New York, which will be March 3rd, I believe. Um, 
Ooh, I see that. I see that how you tease people so they yeah, want to buy yeah, that yeah. expansion. I no, like I've been it. I've been having to write. I've, I've been writing about this uh, all week in one form or another. So uh, yeah, you yeah. really know how to get a dyed in the wool warrior out there uh, mm. involved in Coney Island. <laughs> Do we get to eat Coney hot dogs? Is what I, uh, I don't think so. But there is a. You did get to go to the amusement park. You get to fight Aaron. We're we gonna bop Wood Chief. You get to fight Aaron Keener in Warlords of New York. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's he. He's but, the uh, the the. One of the big bads from the first game? Yes. And then um, you were telling me, Michael, so this takes place in lower Manhattan yes. versus Midtown. So right. like Stock Exchange area. So, yeah, and it's, it's a whole new area that was not in the Division One. It is summery instead of wintry. Uh, everything has been wrecked by a summer hurricane. So uh, now it's like this twisted wreckage strewn landscape that is still kind of trying to recover and... Uh, yeah, it's it's divided into four different zones, uh, and each one has a different lieutenant of Aaron Keener that you're supposed to hunt down. And uh, once you you hunt them all, then uh, you'll be able to confront Aaron Keener himself. And this will lead into a new type of post-launch endgame where it will go into seasons, and each season will introduce a new five-person manhunt for you to chase down along with a bunch of other cool stuff. If you want to know more, go to news.ubisoft.com. Ubi, uh, Ubisoft News, where we got all this stuff. Uh, full disclosure, I work there. I mean, I'd go there, but there's this hack writer that writes these articles. Yeah, that, that guy sucks. Man, what kind of name is Mikel Repairs? <laughs> oh. What's he trying to repair? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of repair, uh, Bioware issued a statement, or actually Casey Hudson from Bioware, issued a statement in a blog post this week um, talking about Anthem and, and kind of what was next. Mm. And in the update, he basically says they're not just focusing on DLC or new content. They they want to start from scratch. Like, they're kind of they, they, they want to reinvent the core gameplay loop of the game, according to this post. So I wanted to throw it out kind of to a panel here, our impromptu panel like do you guys think this is too little too late? Like, do you think Anthem is salvageable at this point? I, I, it has a bizarre amount of negativity around it, yeah. but like as someone who was in on Destiny day one <laughs> and had immediately, like I have a checklist of wants and needs from what needs to happen after this, and it didn't happen for a year. Mm. And it, it took Destiny a while to catch up to what I needed from it, and now I'm just sort of done with it. But like... It, it's it's a much better game now than it was when I was in love with it. Mm. So like like I don't know like there's 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 a competency in Anthem that can't be denied. It's just like it was kind of a lack of content on launch, and then like its roadmap was kind of infuriating, was it not? Like just like but what do I what do I get to do now? Don't tell me that like the third level comes out in two months. That's ridiculous. See, I think it was I don't think it was necessarily the roadmap that was the issue. The roadmap almost was a response to people's reaction to the game when it first came out, which they 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 had all these visions like we're gonna add this new content and then they had to pivot and work on the game because there were so many tech issues at launch. And, and I, I talk about it on the show all the time. like tech issues are something developers will fix in a matter of months. so I never really I just wait and see with those. but like, the bigger challenge I think the game has is the core gameplay loop. Like to a lot of people, Anthem just gets very repetitive very quickly. Well, I mean, I, my issue with it speaking, like I, I played it on early access, like just before it came out. And I remember like 
the the initial couple missions were like hugely fun. Like I, I really enjoyed myself. And then it was just like, okay, well now you're out in the open world, farm this many uh, resources to continue. I'm like what? Yeah, I don't I don't have a, a, a waypoint to fly to. You're just going to tell me like, yeah, come back here when you've got this this many things and you're not going to tell me where to find them or what they look like or yeah. anything. That's the thing. A lot of people when they're reviewing the game, they talk about there's like a certain slog period where it's mm. just like, yeah, you don't really feel like you know what to do. And, and so in Casey Hudson's statement, he actually talks about that. Um, he says over the coming months, we'll be focusing on a longer term redesign of the experience, specifically working to reinvent the core gameplay loop with clear goals motivating challenges and progression with meaningful rewards. And I think that that last thing is the key to a game not being repetitive cuz if you think about it, what you're doing in most video games is like dude, Destiny has I've always said like the best shooting in any first-person shooter I've ever played. It's you're still shooting dudes heads off over and over and over again. It's really the progression Sometimes stuff. their head is in their chest though. That's <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> But it's really the progression that keeps you going. It's no, the, no, it's I, the I mid-tier Destiny and the long-tier Destiny, Vanilla Destiny got away with fucking murder. Mm. And I think some somebody at Anthem, like, well, obviously people will let us iron our kinks out, like, over the course of a year or two, like they did with Destiny. I'm like, no, the first person to whatever this is gets to do that, not the second. Especially not from something from EA. And I, I was only talking about it on bonus sign this week. Um, the new Harley Quinn movie has... Phenomenal reviews mm-hmm. uh, from users and critics, and I think the stink of Suicide Squad scared people away entirely. And I worry that'll be the situation with Anthem. But Chris, it does the thing that every popular, successful movie does. It's already changed its title. Yeah, yeah that, that was the problem. Because <laughs> it's not people don't hate Margot Robbie. People mm-hmm. don't hate Harley Quinn. They hated Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Larry, did you play uh, Anthem at all when it came out? Nope. I was super hype about it. I remember saving screenshots and like, yeah, I'm so excited. There's going to be competition for Destiny. It's going to be great. And then uh, one of my really good close buddies was like, he was playing at day one. He was like, you should probably wait till it gets better was his first response. <laughs> oh, and then I checked in like maybe two weeks later, like, oh, how's it? And he was like, oh, I've already moved on. I'm back on Warframe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think one of the issues Anthem had is like, Destiny continued to improve and get better and better, yeah. and same with Warframe. And yeah. it's like, yeah, they're they're really far behind yeah. those two games well, right now. I think Warframe is also kind of an object lesson in that, like, yes, you can uh, radically change your game over the period of a couple of years and then relaunch yeah. as something something new that people will latch onto. And yeah, I mean, especially with. Uh, with Anthem, like I, I think it's been selling for dirt cheap for a while, and yeah. you can capitalize on that. Like you know, say you know, bring people back. It's like we've we've changed this, we've we've overhauled this, and we've added a bunch of new content. Like, and, and just treat it like a new game launch. I could see that happening. Yeah, and what what I think is bizarre is that we've seen games not unlike Destiny, but even think of like No Man's Sky, of a game that like took several years to address launch criticism mm-hmm. yeah and and i just i don't see a corporate structure uh, at ea where like uh they would be forcing them to go forward with anthem because at this point it's it's almost a dead brand i feel like it it might be something that bioware wants to genuinely do to like earn a little bit of its cred back i i don't yeah. i'm speculating but doesn't do you not get a little 
hint of that. Well, so I, I mean, I think that's the thing is you you have Bioware, who now this is the second game that hasn't really performed up to, up to Bioware expectations or standards, if you consider Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, and now this game, and then you have EA, and as a publisher, EA is like, look we need to start getting a return on our investment here. Like we spent a lot of money letting you guys make this game. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's going to be a super hard challenge for them to overcome. It's just that, that even people who, who bought Anthem are, I don't hear them demanding Bioware readdress this. I think they've but moved they on. I think, I think most of them have moved on. And so, yeah, it's going to take a lot. Bioware has got to do something when this happens, it needs to be a taken King level event to bring people back and get them mm. interested in the game again mm. like like they did with destiny so yeah i agree and maybe that'll probably be the other the other thing that kind of you know puts a wrench in the works here is we got next gen platforms coming out so mm-hmm. they'll have to figure out it's a service game is, is it going to be a thing where it becomes free to play and they're like if you own it on previous generations you get to play it automatically on the next generations or there's there's all kinds of it's a tough year to be doing mm. this kind of relaunch yeah. it's going to be relaunched as ant him where you've got ants whose pants are slightly too long oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i do not see a way around that of giving away the base game for free mm. well, i mean do you like how do you get people back in i how mean that, that people... seems like a surefire thing especially if you have paid expansions for them right to, there, to there's into. nowhere else for this to make money mm. so like why not just do it the, yeah. What Michael like the, the the levels Michael talked about should be totally free. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the thing is though, I haven't played that game enough to know. Like, I don't know that the monetization hooks are strong enough to support a free to play game because mm-hmm. that's the other thing. Like, it's really easy to say, yeah, just make that game free. If there's no way for them to keep it going, like, and Destiny did struggle with this a bit. Like, people did not react well to when they put in the silver and and the shop in there, you know, yeah. and and uh, so it is. It is something where you have to be careful when you do that, too. And I don't know that that will support this game. So I think it's going to be a real challenge and struggle for them. And it just, to me, it's really sad because, like, Bioware, it was just a brand association that was always so strong to me. Like, yeah, whatever they make, I want to play. And now, after the last couple of games, I'm like, I'm tentative, man. But speak- It's weird because we talked about on 302010, uh, Mass Effect 2 being 10 years old. And, like, I think that's a high point for that company's name. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, ten years later, like, shit, man, where's <laughs> where's Bioware now? What, what do they mean to me now? Yeah, yeah, I, I have room left in my heart for them to do something wonderful. So I, I wish them nothing but the best. Well, speaking of what brands mean to people, in a recent study that's actually going to be released today, as you listen to this, a full study, but they mm. they gave us a little peek. So MBLM is an agency that releases every year a thing called the Brand Intimacy Study, and basically the study just tracks people's closeness and association with certain brands i know i know yuck i'm a marketing dude just humor me all right <laughs> mm-hmm. this is what i found fascinating so amongst millennials playstation ranked as their number one brand number one brand association huh. amongst gen z what do you think was their number one well i know because i've got it in front of me but... <laughs> uh i'm gonna guess uh tide pot oh my god <laughs> No, 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 no. They're all dead. Everyone who tried those are all dead. You remember the game Fluffy Bunny where you try to stick as many marshmallows in your mouth as you can? They play that with Tide Pods. There you go. True. true. This was surprising. They keep interrupting my rainbow party. (laughs) Uh, Gen Z selected Xbox as their top Mm. intimate brand. So this is is wild to me. I wonder why. I I read a few theories. Um, Number one, we keep talking about on this show, Microsoft is remarkably positioned 
for this upcoming generation with Game Pass. Mm-hmm. And the, as people go more toward this subscription services model versus the traditional model, and I was like, okay, that, that could be it. And then someone nailed it. I think I saw it on Twitter or something. Because Minecraft was on the Xbox. Because Microsoft bought Yeah, but oh, it's yeah. also on every other console. It's on every yeah. platform, period. But I think, don't they put exclusive stuff on Xbox that they don't put on the other versions? Maybe. I don't know, but yeah, so... I mean, you don't have to ask what Gen X's favorite one is. It's obviously going to be Nintendo. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that we'll see in the full study, mm-hmm. but... Uh, no one cares about Gen X anymore. We're not. That's we're true. not those prime marketing demographics. We're no longer yeah, relevant. No, it was. It was. It was muesli and fucking Christ. Or what's the yogurt that makes you poop? Yeah. Uh, the Dan and Activia? Jamie Lee Curtis Dan Activia. yogurt. Activia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel a strong affili- affinity for British night shoes. <laughs> so uh, here's the here's the other brand. So Nintendo uh, are those is still a thing. No Reebok pumps. There we go. <laughs> That's another one. I don't think those are still a thing. Mm-hmm. Really. I don't know. I used to want the Shaq Hell ones. No. Remember they had the Shaq, the demos in, in shoe stores, and it showed how big Shaq's feet were? Yeah. Well, maybe. He was like a size 20 or something. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that in a fucking magazine. Oh, man. It was a fold-out. I was about to say. I had to, <laughs> had to, had to add extra page for Kid that Kid City, shout out. We miss you, Ranger Rick. Oh. Uh, so here are the other brands for Millennials. So you had PlayStation first. Amazon was number two. Target was number three, Target. Uh, Disney was number four. Ford was number five. What? Millennials? Ford? Ford. Well, they did beat Ferrari that one. (laughs) (laughs) Jeep was number six. Um, Apple was number seven. Wow, that's surprising, actually, for me. Yeah, all this. Where was this poll conducted? (laughs) So YouTube was number eight. Wow. Xbox was number nine to Millennials. And Nintendo was number ten. What's wrong with you, Millennials? Like, what, what, what Millennials are you polling here? Uh, one's living in uh, in Arkansas, I guess. Guess so. Ford, Jesus Christ. Ford? <laughs> what about Ford? Quality is job eight. Come on. <laughs> so yeah, um, we shall we shall see the full results soon. But uh, the, the Xbox thing is interesting. That's the only reason I push the Game Pass thing. So I I would lo- I really like hearing people talk about games the same way people talk about Netflix releases, whereas they're talking about things they're getting for a service they already have. And then it creates this wonderful discussion on social media where no one is really left out because everyone has access to this thing. And yeah, I don't I I never I see Nintendo never addressing this like in their lifetime. And uh I, I love the idea of Game Pass pushing them uh, pushing Xbox the brand up a little bit. Yeah. Well, I what, really do. What years is Gen Z? You guys know like what how old they are now? Zoomers. I don't know. I think one was. I think I just made one a second ago. <laughs> I think uh, they're the ones that are teenagers. Well, uh, now I think they might be early twenties because I'm wondering if it's just Xbox 360 since they won the mm-hmm. last generation. Like that's why it's their number one association. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so weird. I think we just blinked and millennials all turned thirty and they still <laughs> think they're kids. Gen right. Z is listed here as 1995 through 2012. 1995 through 2012. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so 1995. Make me do math on the show. Uh, that's 25 years old at this point. Huh. Okay, so yeah, when they were going through high school, the Xbox 360 was the number one platform, so there you go. 
Yeah, Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's some branding marketing stuff for you guys. I know how much our listeners love that. Oh, they, they tr- they're just tremendously mm-hmm. in love with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Almost as much as they love microtransactions. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> Everyone loves those. Well, Sony does because they filed a patent for a microtransaction system that can help you when you get stuck in a game. <laughs> didn't EA do this like a while ago right? we didn't like it and take my credit card and get me out of this boss fight <laughs> Jesus <laughs> can't wait that was at first Larry that was a good voice oh, man <laughs> which one of us was that like I don't, I don't know if it was a clip <laughs> yeah so I guess you guys don't like this uh, the system is what you're trying to say it just seems I mean, as as irritated as I am having like scroll through YouTube to find exactly what I need, it's really fucking easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but I think this th- just from the sound of that, I, I would say like, doesn't this incentivize developers to create situations in which gamers will get stuck? Ugh. See, it's not even the stuff that it's like a knowledge thing that's getting you stuck for me. It's mm-hmm. there are some games like Sekiro, which we sure, talked about, yeah. like where literally it's a skill thing. And I guess does this solve that? That accessibility and games debate that, that was all the rage last year, where it's like, yeah, hmm. just give me some money and I'll get you past this boss fight. That would feel really bad. That, I, I missed the Nintendo hotline. That was much <laughs> That, to me, feels like cheating and not the fun kind of cheating. Just like, like it's for the same reason I never used that uh, level skip feature in like, uh, Alone in the Dark. Like, you know, I, I want to play the game. I yeah. want to have yeah. the experience. Yeah, I've never understood that mentality of give us money so you can play the game less. Like mm-hmm. we will, we will give you XP boost so you don't have to spend as long in this thing you spent money on. It's it's a weird, but it, I mean it's a psychological trick that works. It's this human nature thing. I, I just yeah, it's weird. Um, so last bit of news. Speaking of microtransactions or getting your money's worth for things, Nintendo announced four new games coming to the Nintendo Online service. That thing that. Like, like me, probably most of you are paying 20 bucks a year for. Um, so I'm going to read off these names, see if you guys have played any of these games. So on the SNES side, we have Poppin' Twinbee. Yay! Came to the, <laughs> well, one of the Twinbee games came to the U.S. as Stinger, I think. Uh, and then the next title up was Smash Tennis. This was a game that has never featured a... Fuck yeah! Oh, game. man! Who else is hard as fuck for this? What? <laughs> you never played this because it never had a U.S. release, Chris. It's the first time coming to our shores, baby. The only tennis games I like have Mario or Virtua in their name. Boom. That's <laughs> big facts, man. Big facts on yeah. that one. Virtua Tennis was dope. Uh, and then on the NES side, we have uh, Shadow of the Ninja. Ooh. Yeah. And I remember that. Eliminator Boat Duel. Oh, yes. <laughs> Very tragic, the duel between those boats. Does Eliminator have a copyright sign next to that? Is that a boat Eliminator that I'm not familiar with? It does sound like some mobile SEO naming right there. You need your boat eliminated. You don't have money. You called. Shitter's full. Come get the Eliminator. Oh, build boat. Dance down at BoatEliminators.com. Yeah, I made a Build Dance reference on the podcast. Yeah, so those uh, look forward to those coming to the service. I, I don't want to say for free; it's you got to pay for that service. But it's always nice when they add new games to those. Like recently, I've been playing a Super Punch Out on the SNES service. Oh, excellent! Love it. Yeah, so I'm surprised so you didn't bring up that uh, that news that the Xbox Series X uh, has apparently they're, they're bragging about like the AI on this console is so good that it could decrease download sizes mm. by. Uh, 
basically calculating what a high-res resolution is supposed to look like. So you download a low-res version, mm-hmm. and uh, then it somehow upscales it. Mm. I tend not to include news stories. That one felt like it had a lot of speculation around mm-hmm. it and maybes and perhaps, but it's, hey, that is a problem that no one seems to be talking about that we've brought up on this show a lot. Like, well, okay, so related news story, uh, there was a lot of anger this week because the latest Call of Duty Modern Warfare patch clocked in at like 900 gigs or some shit like that. No, no, it was like 91. 91. I'm not, sorry, like yeah. Nine, oh. 90, okay, 900 gigs would be like your bandwidth cap. <laughs> That's okay, yeah. <laughs> but no, it was, it was 91 gigs, which is huge. And it, to the point where they had to release a statement apologizing for the size of the patch, but saying this will hopefully make future patches smaller. Mm. So, I, I, dude, I've been on that side of things where sometimes you can do incremental patches and then sometimes you just can't. And there's, yeah. there, it's not a science. It's more an art, like when you can predict that's going to happen. And I've, I've had developers tell me before, like, yeah, dude, sorry, this is going to be a full download. And it sucks to have to deliver that message to fans via your community channels or whatever. But it sucks partially because like internet sucks for so many people and, mm-hmm. and bandwidth caps suck. And 91 gigs, something that eats up that much bandwidth. That's, that's kind of a big chunk where, I feel like a, I don't know if I don't know if this is nationwide, but around here it's like a terabyte tends to be the cap amount for, mm, for a lot of people yeah. for monthly. Like um, I said, I, I didn't know what it was until I got Xbox Game Pass. I'm like, oh, I'll get Gears Four. Gears Four is over 100 gigs. Jeez. In, in in addition to a bunch of other games, like Doom is like 70 gigs, and they were like, you are three quarters of the way of reaching your terabyte limit. It it put this prompt all over every device in my house. Yeah, uh, Comcast did. Well, yeah, and it's only going to get larger and larger with next gen as you have higher fidelity assets, right? So the mm-hmm. file sizes theoretically will probably increase. And so any technology that anyone's thinking about this stuff, like I am, I'm all for it, you know. Because meanwhile, I can't bootleg Parasite at 720p. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I felt like that was an, that was one of the unpleasant surprises of the Xbox One X. Did I get that right? Where. Mm-hmm. The downloads for these games, the 4K downloads, mm-hmm. were so much bigger than we were used to because yeah. they're the higher fidelity assets. And so, yeah, I think I think there there's there's a really boring strategy conversation I'd love to be on the phone with for Game Pass and Xbox One X. Like the idea that we have 4K games. If you get Game Pass, you automatically get our first party games. If you download Forza Four, Horizon, and Gears, you're at you're at over 200 gigs. Like, hey man. Maybe let me see if I want to play more of this. Yeah. There's got to be a base thing you can give me. I would love, yeah, like a hybrid future. You know, Microsoft has their streaming solution because eventually you're going to have to kind of do that equation. Like, how long does this game take to beat? Is it cheaper, quote unquote, for me bandwidth wise to stream this game or to just download the game outright and play it? You know? Right, right, right. Like, yeah, like what game should be 100 gigs for you to download? Like, that kind of shouldn't happen. Right now, you know. Oh, last news story. Shit, I forgot to include this one. But I just thought of it. Uh, speaking of streaming games, we talked. That's what I want to talk. We talked about, about GE, GeForce Now oh, yeah. last week launching, and already uh, as of earlier this week, Activision Blizzard all games got removed from the service. Which is here's what here's what's weird to me about this is we explained the way GeForce Now works. Um, is you're basically just loading up a virtual machine in the cloud that's running your Steam library. So you've paid for those games. And so 
the fact that they're removing them from that thing is weird to me. Like, wait, so Activision wants more money. I'm assuming they want money from NVIDIA to include those games as part of that service. But it's like, well, no, you got your money from those games because someone paid Steam or paid Mm -hmm. Valve for those games. So you already got your money on this. Or this violates some sort of exclusivity with, uh, with Google. I don't. Yeah. I don't know because they don't sell their games on Stadia. Destiny either too is on Stadia. Yeah, but that's not Activision anymore. It's, it's just Bungie. Oh, okay. And so, like, it's it's. I don't think it's in this case. I don't think it's about money because it's not like uh, the thing we were talking. Like, there's, Activision doesn't have old versions of its games very well available, so it's not about getting you to buy things again. I think it's more that like every one of Activision uh, Blizzard's games is a live service. And now they have to trust this service to make sure that runs smoothly, which who the fuck knows but they, if it's but they doing don't. that well. They don't. The beauty of it is, is all they have to do is make sure their game runs smoothly on Steam. And all this service is doing is it's a Steam remote play, baby. It's just it's fucking. No, I, I think this, this could be fought in court, but I don't think GeForce is ready to do that. But like, uh, but I, I think the, if I had to guess, it's not as evil as you think it is. It's more about stability in the live ecosystem. Like, because think about it. If you if you're running, if you decide to like load up one of their games and it just does, uh, I have a lot of lag and it's not playing very well. They're gonna not use the virtual store. Ugh! Like, <laughs> they're they're gonna stop playing this game. Like, it it could reflect poorly on a live game mm-hmm. while this service works its kinks out. But if it, it will be very interesting if they fight this because I think they could. Uh, GeForce, I'm saying, GeForce yeah. could fight this this yeah. decision. You can't tell me where I can have my games loaded and not loaded. Uh, on, but now that it's part of this one service, yeah, Activision gets to make blanket statements like that. Oh, I, I'm sure Weird. that EULA is worded in such a way so that technically they're within their legal right to do this. Sure. It just it feels bad as a consumer because it's like, well, no, I bought that game. And in fact, there are some people kind of complaining to NVIDIA saying, well, I bought this game on my Steam library thinking I could now play this game on PC because I don't have a gaming PC that could run it and now I don't have access to it anymore and that that kind of sucks and it's like no, they, they've opened themselves up to a I think a flurry of complaints and then later on lawsuits yeah. by, mm-hmm. by doing this yeah well they they being Nvidia or are they being Activision by yanking Activision mm-hmm. yeah because like I'm sure I'm, you're right I'm sure they have something buried in the EULA saying they're they're correct here but like this is not something players want to hear like the idea if a service opened up right now where I could play StarCraft on my phone from my like stream directly from my PC. Yeah. You can't like who the fuck are you to tell me I can't do that? Yeah. Like a, yeah. a game I already I already own. I can't pay you any more money to do this elsewhere. Like you're not you don't you don't offer a competitive service. And this is no different than like your PlayStation 4 doing that the remote play thing to other devices that they offer as well, right? Which you guys might know this. I, I, I don't remember. Like, are there games that don't support ro- remote play where the publisher has the option of just turning that I've off? I've never used it. I work from home. <laughs> <laughs> True. I guess, I guess what bugs me is like the way they've been spinning the licensing agreements for all these games to us publicly has been well no you don't actually own the thing you pay for the right to play it to you're kind of it's like a long-term rental agreement you pay for the access to it and so this would be a theoretical testing of that it's like you're right i've paid you for access to this thing and i just happen to be accessing it through this computer that i don't own but it's like a remote a, a cloud computer mm. and now they're saying no sorry you actually didn't pay for that right and it's like okay 
we got to work this shit out. I, I, I suspect this will go to the courts mm-hmm. very soon. I do, too. And that's why I, I'm glad you brought it up in the news, because this was, to me, was like, this really opens the floodgate to a lot of new lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I don't think I don't I don't think we have the lawyers yet ready to talk about this to to go the right way. Uh, I, I cannot imagine how this will go. And again, I, I have to in my heart of hearts, either Activision is off going to offer us competing streaming service, yeah. or they're worried about the stability of their online services, which they have every right to be. Or they want another cut. I, I think that's still a valid option. Of they they want some kind of reimbursement for being on these services. They don't deserve another cut. It's like them asking for another cut for me to play something on on another PC. Has that ever we're stopped a publisher this. before? <laughs> I know, but we're pa- we're past this. We're, we're we're we are past this, and like I just I I didn't imagine this would uh, this new technology would open up this kind of litigation, and it does sort of like open up maybe. You know, while you're we're all taking a giant shit on Stadia, like maybe this is what they've been up against. The idea of like publishers reluctant to put their shit on this service well one of the challenges i'd heard with stadia is it it is still a port like you still have to even though it's running on pcs there's work that needs to happen to the games to get them to run on that service so it's like that could be the blocker for a lot of people it's like well i'm, I'm not sure it's worth it you know because there's some money involved of me putting this thing on your cloud you can't just like ins- it's not like you can install the steam version of your game on those google data center machines and just have it run automatically so but uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's crazy that we're already starting to test the streaming, like the boundaries of what right. streaming gets you access to and whatnot. But I, I'm kind of glad to be honest. It's like yeah, let's work this shit out now before you know without having totally. done it for years and then work it out later. And and just having lived as long as I have, as long as we all have, like Activision, you're going to lose this battle. Yeah. Like it, having your shit accessible more places is how everything has ended up succeeding. Mm. The things that succeed succeed are the ones who leaned into accessibility. Yeah. I'm a porn website, and I'll be damned if I'll make a mobile version. <laughs> like <laughs> those, those guys aren't around anymore. <laughs> you come to me on one PC, one at a time. I want to know everyone's IP address. I don't know why I sound like Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't you? This chicken's delicious. Come yeah. on. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, they're gonna they're gonna either have to they have to offer a competing service or they're gonna lose this fight for real. Yeah, I don't know, Larry. Have you poked around with any of the streaming stuff? Have you tried out Stadia or, or GeForce now? I played Destiny Two on Stadia for all of about maybe four minutes, and I was like, oh, I can see that you know the promise was somewhat delivered. Uh, there was a tiny bit of lag, so I would say anything hyper competitive. I would probably stay away from, yeah. but turn-based could be fun. You know, a lot. There's a lot of games I think I could enjoy, but I was just happy that the novelty of what they were trying to achieve, I would say, has been done. Uh, but I think they're going to suffer from being the first penguin, which is, you know, you don't have the adoption rate, you don't have all the things that are going to end up making this not be as successful as it should be. But later on, four, five, six companies later, there's going to be like, oh, it's safe. There's no sharks in this water. This is now the new thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they pioneered this, but unfortunately, I myself am not an early adopter. I already have PlayStation, Xbox. I don't need another platform. I'm already satisfied just with those two. Yeah. So, yeah. not to put you on the, on the spot, Larry, but like, like, uh, do you have any insight into like what it takes to get one like a traditional game streaming uh, for play in this day and age? Sure. I mean, the best thing I can say is. I'll break it down to like a feedback loop, right? 
So I'm playing a game, I have the controller, which is an interface that I'm putting my feedback into. That goes into the game, right? It's saying, okay, Larry hit A. Mm-hmm. A in our system needs to do this. Show on the screen what A does so that Larry can see that, make a decision, and then put in new f- new feedback or new input, right? So that's the feedback loop that we're doing with a game. Mm-hmm. And some of these games, like when we're talking fighting games, like, oh, you have a three-frame advantage, right? Yeah. <laughs> you Any sort of lag in that, let alone just the internet lag that we already complain about when we're yeah. playing a fighting game that we are running on our own hardware and we're just sending to a server... Larry hit A, send it to that computer, and then they know that I've hit A. You know what I mean? It's the reason that they do predictive analytics on that stuff where they, they kind of fake it a lot of the time and they say, oh, you're going to be at this place, so let's just go mm-hmm. ahead and load that up now. Yeah, yeah. and that's But that's them trying to get around the thing that I'm about to explain is it's hard enough just trying to send the smallest amount of data, let alone 60 frames a second of gameplay so that I, the player, don't feel like my feedback loop is broken or hindered by something else. Yeah. And so mm. until we get internet like Korea and Japan, I'm staying away from Google Stadia altogether. So when capitalism is ready to let us have the internet that we should have... <laughs> Uh, I, I probably won't be an adopter of this technology. So it's go- really that's what I would say is holding us back. I don't think the computational power is the hindrance right now because it's fucking Google, right? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, and they got enough data the centers too. They yeah, have a ton yeah. of data centers. Yeah, so that's the scary part to me is they were like sneakily installing these data centers all over the United States, and we didn't mm-hmm. really hear about it so much. And then they're like, surprise! Don't worry, they can run video games. Yeah. <laughs> Even That's my all they small do. hometown has like a, a very slow fiber rollout that I was mm. super shocked by, and it is very slow. It's like one apartment complex at a time. It is it is it is chaining the same way like a fucking uh, hoax emails would back in the day, like very slowly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the infrastructure is not there, and I don't see. I, I always said that I don't see Comcast allowing us to get to this point. Uh, in the next three years, at least. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I guess I'm shocked with this story. Like, I thought that would be the problem. I thought that would be the shit we complain about with streaming, not the content side and not, like, the publishers fighting with the streaming providers over, oh, can my content live on this thing? And, and you know, this is a thing. This is all speculation because I don't think Activision came out and said anything about them remo- removing the games from the service. It could have just been a thing where they're like, oh, we actually didn't sign that agreement and we got to wait another week for it to get signed and they can go back up. That shit happens all the time, but... But for now, mm-hmm. it looks weird, and it's a terrible look for NVIDIA a week after they launched their service that, that yeah. I'm paying for. I'm, I'm paying my – well, not yet. I guess I pay in May. But, uh, yeah, I pay. I get it free for a few months, and then I'll be paying $5 a month for this uh, premium version. The way Larry broke it down, it's like you, you are paying – you're paying an intermediary service to deliver your button press to whatever delivers your video, which adds a new layer of complication that the developers can't do anything about mm-hmm. in, in this situation. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons Stadia, the controller, doesn't like link to your TV. It just, it, it's a Wi-Fi connection straight to your internet because it reduces even a fraction, a tiny bit of that lag. Because that's what you need for, for the streaming oh, stuff. I'm watching Picard and I feel like I'm living the future, even more in the future than he is. <laughs> <laughs> love this. I love this. It's, it's growing pains. All right. Well, that all right. is all the news that's yeah. fit to play. Let's move on to the community segment, which, as always, is segmenting our community. Uh, last week's question of the week was, in honor of Black History Month, tell us about your favorite black character from a game. Uh, and last week we did uh, black protagonists in games, and there are not as many as you <laughs> might hope that, that just anchor a game by themselves. Plenty of, plenty of 
well, you know, not not plenty, but there's lots of black characters in other games. But um, I mean, Larry, uh, we posed this to you at the beginning. Did did you sure. do you have one? Yeah, actually, it might come off as a little comical, but I actually just really enjoyed this very much, and I'm sticking with it because it ended sure. up being the game that got me into gaming and being a game developer. Uh, I will say Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's Punch Out. That was my choice last week. <laughs> was my favorite. That was my, oh, well, that was my choice. No, there it is. There it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I but think this is with, why representation matters, folks. You heard him. That's what got him wanting to be a game developer. Yeah, that was, that Punch Out was the game, man. Um, with light brown, brown, black, and white, they made the best looking Mike Tyson I've ever seen in any video yeah. game. Yeah. He, he's he was, most of the screen tall. Yeah, he was the hardest <laughs> mofo boss I've ever fought in any video game. Yes. And, uh, I mean, then at the end when you beat him, he gives you an encouraging thing. Like, it's for what Nintendo was limited with to have made that experience for me. And then mm-hmm. Mike Tyson wasn't a joke. He wasn't black face, big red lips. You know, he wasn't like the way that I see black people treated in other games. Like, I still haven't gotten over Street Fighter 2. You get the blonde guy and the black guy at the start of the game. And the blonde guy knocks the black guy out in one punch. <laughs> to this day, that has, like, scarred Sorry. me. Because oh, I remember God, seeing yeah, that those, as a kid. That took me a minute. They, like, wait, what? who are you talking yeah, about? They, oh, they have right, names yeah. now, actually. I, uh, I I forget. They have names. One of them lo- always looked names. like Guy. From even worse. Yeah. yeah, it's even worse. They've, they've named the guy. They've given an identity to the guy who... <laughs> Like they have this whole backstory of the guy who got his ass whooped for my whole culture. <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ. Great. I never thought of that. Man. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, just that one punch. Yeah. One punch. Yeah, like, that guy. There it is. I mean, as someone with light purple skin, like Soda Popinski was always an inspiration to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to modify my answer just because, like, I enjoy being in those conversations where I don't know where a goofy movie became a black movie, but I love it. Okay. Okay. Uh, So I'm going to say Goofy and Max from Goof Troop. Uh, Makes me very happy. Hey, good to hear. All right. Well, on Twitter, I am not a twit, says uh, there are definitely not enough black protagonists in video games. Uh, I would say Sean Matsuda from Street Fighter 3. Although he moves like Ken and Ryu, he's got quite a few tricks up his sleeve, including fainting. Not not fainting as in like fainting dead away, but fainting as in faking. Yes, mm-hmm. playing footsies in a fighting yeah. game, as you would call it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Isn't, uh, isn't he like Ken's protege? I yeah, he's, I thought he was always Brazilian and Japanese. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. know. So I guess like there's like a, a teensy percent of him that qualifies as black, but that's black enough <laughs> in regards to video games. So I totally understand. Fair. He, yeah, he's my favorite Street Fighter yeah. character, actually. Uh, from the official Laser Time group on Facebook, Sarah Lynn says, a Vivian from Dragon Age Inquisition. The Inquisition. Uh, through both her tremendous magical skill and adeptness at navigating the treacherous politics of high society, she manages to go from outsider to having the ear of an empress. No small feat in a world where mages are often outright oppressed. She also has the best-looking armor and outfits, and she has the kick-ass specialization... Of Night Enchanter, which among other things means she can conjure a huge magical sword in battle. Between that and her excellent banter with other characters, she is almost always a member of my Inquisitor's party. It's also possible through the right set of story choices for her to become divine, basically the Pope. Not the Dorito Pope, but the Pope, nonetheless. Yes, divine, the drag queen, basically the Pope, same thing. (laughs) She's the first mage in history to do so. She's a powerful and complex character who, in my opinion, doesn't get enough recognition. Yeah, dude. Mm. And uh, I really want to read Berta uh, Arias because we 
we talked about Bayonetta on this week's mm. uh, 30 2010 game wrap up. Mm-hmm. Bayonetta is now 10 years old. Bert says, uh, what up, VGA holes? I'm not sure how I feel about that. I actually like it. I bet Michael does it. Sure. Uh, Your name is almost Bert oh. Areola's, Bert. All right? Those in glass <laughs> houses, my friend. Hopefully I didn't miss the deadline. My favorite black character would uh, would have to be uh, Roden from uh, Bayonetta. He's not given a lot of characterization, but he's essentially a ripped Morpheus <laughs> with, a fat, with a face tat who's always ready with a goofy one-liner uh, when you visit the upgrade shop. What are you buying? <laughs> uh, plus, he's a spiritual successor to the Resident Evil merch. And then he says, what are you buying? And uh, that's got to be worth something. I fucking love Bayonetta so much, and I love that character so much. Oh, goodness. I'm sure it's not the most progressive <laughs> characterization <laughs> of an African-American, but, like, man, when he drives in with his really long old car in the second game. <laughs> what are you talking about? Japanese developers have always gotten that right before. Oh, there yeah. Oh, no. yeah. There we go. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I said about that the better probably <laughs> that's the, the, the glory of Bayonetta is that no one in there is a believable human that's true that's true absolutely that's... nobody she shoots things out of her feet yeah mm-hmm. yeah and she she victimizes a short Italian guy that's an anime game yeah wait you said no on the 302010 show that is an anime ass anime game and you disagreed with I'm, me I'm just agreeing with you for the sake of expediency because right, we need to get to Mike Amari's video answer hey VGA crew Mike Amari here with the question of the week the question of the week of course was who's your favorite black character in a video game uh, for me you guys uh, covered most of what I would have covered uh, Mafia 3 I'm actually in the middle of right now and I'm absolutely loving what they're doing character wise there and Lee from The Walking Dead is my favorite character in video games probably hands down regardless of race so I want to talk about my favorite voice actor. Uh, my favorite black voice actor recently is Christopher Judge. Uh, Christopher okay. Judge did Kratos in the most recent God of oh, War. Not only did he do the work, boy. but he also did all the mocap work. And it's oh, phenomenal. Sure. If you haven't seen them already, look at the YouTube videos that they have out there for all the behind-the-scenes stuff with him working on the set. Not only is it amazing technically to see what they're doing, but his performances are just top-notch what you'd expect from like a Hollywood production. And that's what we need in these motion capture performances. And so I really want to see him working more. I want to see him doing more video games because Kratos's movements and facial expressions and whole performance and voice acting are what brought that game to life and made me just completely and utterly drawn into what was happening in the narrative. So for me, that's my favorite black character, I guess. You know, Kratos, you wouldn't really consider him black because he's of Greek descent, but he's actually been played exclusively by African-American yeah. voice actors. Uh, so that's my pick for favorite black character in a video game. Thank you for listening to this week, guys. I look forward to being with you again next week. Thanks, Mike. Did they ever explain why he ex- he replaced T.C. Carson? Maybe just to you know go in a whole new direction with everything that they were doing. Yeah. But at yeah. least yeah, that's, that's a great true. point. You know, yeah. And and yeah, Christopher Judge is a really good like older Kratos. That, yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. Has has more maturity to him. That's an excellent point. I, I didn't even know about the. I, it didn't even occur to me that the mocap was an issue there. Like uh, it, you're seeing this person's like movements and facial expressions yeah. in addition to their vocal talents. Yeah, That's and that I mean that mocap for the moves he's pulling off and stuff. You you have to be quite an athlete to pull those off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's insane. Okay, so new question of the week: uh, Who is your favorite video game couple or let's say your favorite video game ship like if you would ship two characters uh and 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 why um i think for for my part i've always kind of since i was a kid been rooting for link and zelda to get together um they they never really do except maybe in um skyward sword 
Well, excuse me, Michael. Uh, there were plenty romantic in the cartoon I used. That to pair had no chemistry whatsoever. That was an abomination. Yeah, pretty bad. But but Zelda two, Link and Zelda. Oh man, sparks flew when that curtain fell down, and they moved slightly toward each other. <laughs> so I, I'm a cynical old person whose dick barely works. Uh-huh. And um, so I like the idea of Sonic and Tails just as a couple, but like just riddled with lesbian bed. <laughs> so they're a couple, but they just haven't fucked in years. Yeah, there's like there's there's not there's there's plenty of love there. There's just not a lot of passion. But you know, just like in all relationships, one guy always drives. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> Isn't Tails like four years old? Gross. Uh, well, I mean, according to the cartoon, but you said that was out of bounds. Did I? Yeah. You don't acknowledge these, the, the hot chemistry in the <laughs> Super Mario Brothers Super Show Zelda. <laughs> That's different. I did was a horny teenager. Don't kid yourself. All right. All right fine. Uh, I, my answer was yours, Michael. Uh, so Link and Zelda, I've mm-hmm. always shipped for them. I actually felt like... Would you call that Zink or Lelda? Uh, whatever you want to call them, man. Mm. I, I I felt like, you know, everyone talked about, oh, Skyward Sword is where they, yes, now they're they're finally admitting their feelings or we know they're different mm-hmm. people, whatever. Uh, but I felt like there was more romantic tension there in Breath of the Wild. Like, I definitely mm-hmm. felt like there was... She loved him, but there was... Maybe this is me shipping in my head, but that they had to kind of have that separation because mm. he was technically like this chosen guard and the chosen one of her, and she had her obligation of using her power. I don't know. I just felt romantic tension between the two characters. I, I think Breath of the Wild was one of the Zeldas where it felt more like he was involved with someone else, like Mifa in that case. I and mean, you ship whoever you want. I right? mean, and <laughs> like there were there were a ton of adult conversations that felt like there was something happening under under the surface there. More so than any other Zelda game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think also like Zelda or Link and Midna, like that, that was like a, you know, you really wanted them to get together and what? it never happened. You did? Well, at the end of that game, did you play to the end of, uh, of which one? Of Twilight Princess? Yes. Yeah, I did not want them to get together whatsoever. Oh, even after the transformation? Even after. Wow, okay. Midna's so cool though. Hmm. I don't know, but so so you already gave that answer. So now my real answer will be one of one of many Final Fantasy relationships that seemingly are almost always doomed. I will go with the game that I know you all love, everyone's favorite Final Fantasy yep. Eight, uh, with Squall and Renoa, their their romance, and they they met basically at the academy, and she was dating someone else, but she did realized ended up going with her Squall because he's the nice dude. And I know people hate this game, but holds a special place in my heart uh i love playing final fantasy 8 and i mean just amongst all the relationships take your pick of kind of that block of like 7 8 and i guess 10 with with titus's relationship there, oh, there's some good no love for there. nine eh. zidane and uh what's her face with Selfie their giant fishbowl like heads <laughs> no i, I guess Princess I was, garnet that was i it. guess it's i was going garnet. for the more realistic looking ones at the time but sure. uh yeah, so eight because I know everyone loves eight. Mm-hmm. Larry, you uh, have I mean, the best I got is Captain Sabaho himself. He's spent thirty years trying to get his woman back. She's always at someone else's house at someone else's party in the middle of the night. Super Mario and Princess Peach. Ah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got. I mean, the, he's he's earned his due, man. I had hoped to see them work out. That's that's the best I got. I was kind of on the spot and glad you guys went first to give me some time. <laughs> no, it, I, I had it. I had it in the barrel. I, I like the idea. Like it's it's 
sort of G-rated, but even like the last Mario game where like they're, they're forced to confront being married yeah. and like, yeah, we're beyond sex and relationship <laughs> at this point. Like, um, I, I just I interpreted that more as she was just saying like, no, I don't I don't want to marry either of you schmucks. <laughs> yeah, but we, we, we can still stand up for one like, another. I'm, I'm like, a fucking uh, gorgeous ass princess who rules the kingdom and my best choices are a short, fat plumber and a giant fat turtle. Well, that's the Fucking thing is Dana Carvey and Master of Disguise. Fuck this we shit. We all know she cucks Mario for Bowser, or they swing with Toad and Toadette. So there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of dynamics. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of Toad Khaleesi horseshit going on. <laughs> yeah, don't even get me started on you where Yoshi fits in all this stuff. It's just best. Feel free not. to imagine that for yourself. Toad wiping his mouth off and going. <laughs> 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 Jesus. Then Luigi just coming in, then slowly backing out. Yeah. <laughs> All Luigi's mansion games are is just him being haunted from these visuals of walking in on them. Yeah. Mario! Ah, Mario! <laughs> All right. I'm a gay now. <laughs> <laughs> so, who is your favorite video game couple or shipped couple in your headcanon? Let us know. Go to videogameapocalypse.com. And answer under the comments for episode 354. Or you can go to the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer. Or hit us up on Twitter at VG Apocalypse. Anyway, that's been our show. Let's go out with some plugs. Uh, Larry, is there anything you'd like to plug? A Twitter, a YouTube channel, anything like that? Actually, yeah, I'm doing a lot of YouTube content right now. You can just look me up, Larry Charles Jr. on YouTube. It's all entrepreneurial stuff, but video games might come across that channel at some point. You never know. It's one episode a week. It's vloggy, but it's dope if you're really excited about side hustles and you know earning income online. So that's my only plug right now. And then, of course, shout out to everybody at Striking Distance Studios. I love you guys. Thanks for having yeah. me. Nice. Represent. All right. Chris, go for it. Patreon.com slash laser time. It's how this show and all our other shows are supported. Uh, this week, you get a lot of stuff coming your way. Uh, bonus time, uh, Oscars postmortem, and a plea to go see Harley Quinn after our giant uh, Oscar episode. And I, I, Michael was there for that. We haven't talked about it. Just that, like, we all had a, a Christmas special, like, I wish Santa would bring me a skateboard if only it will never happen. We are like, I wish Parasite would win, but it never will. And it totally did. Yep. Crazy. Uh, it won. And we all got our wish. And I do think that's funny because like, what do young people do now? Do you have to watch the show next year? <laughs> they gave you, they did the impossible. Mm -hmm. They gave it to the thing you liked. It's strange. Uh, but I, I, we did a little postmortem with Diana on bonus time. And you guys are both on board for um, uh, what you might call it, our, our 30, 20, 10 uh, monthly game wrap up where we talk in depth about the games that came out 30, 20, and 10 years ago in January. Mm -hmm. uh, highlights include a Legend of Kage sequel, a prolonged conversation on Crazy Taxi, and uh, and yeah, uh, what, what else? A lot of 2010 stuff, but uh, I'll, I'll let you discover that. Yeah. Patreon.com slash laser time. It's how we live. It's how we eat. Thank you guys so much. For a second, I thought you said alleged Kage sequel. <laughs> yeah, alleged legend of Kage sequel. My bad. 
It's fucking two o'clock in the morning. Oh, Jesus. All right, all right. Let's throw it out there. Right, we'll start those rumors, man. Yeah. Anything else, Matt? Uh, well, if you like professional wrestling, you might want to give Cheap Podcast a listen uh, and follow us on the Twitter at Cheap Podcast. I know I'm overdue. I owe, I owe you guys an episode, our review of Royal Rumble, and we talk. About more than that, we, we talk about a lot of the current news going on in the wrestling world, me and my co-host T.L. Foster. So that'll be up soon. I promise I will get to that. I'm just been kind of busy doing other stuff. But, uh, yeah, so check that out. Then check me out on the Twitter, at Maddie C. Allen. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, at VG Apocalypse, or me personally, at Wikipares. Visit us at VGGameApocalypse.com. That's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Chris, you sound really tinny. Are you okay? No, I'm not near the mic. Oh, okay. ah. <laughs>